Sports fans, thanks for tuning in at your Jets tailgate. If you got me on there, maybe you're doing the trick-or-treat thing. Maybe you're going out trick-or-treating, or maybe you're just waiting for the trick-or-treaters to come to your door. Whatever it is, you guys, thanks for making me and Kevin Wall part of your football Sunday. I am Danielle McCartan. Danielle, in the daytime, I'll be talking all things New York sports with you up and through 4 p.m. today. So you guys, you right there, settle in. Because Kevin and I are coming to you live from the Carton and Roberts studio here in lower Manhattan. And we are working on a weekend like usual. You guys, you know that number. It's already pre-programmed into your speed dials. 877-337-6666. As always, we will load them up with their best content only. And I've got something for everybody today. Jets fans, I have a trick or a treat for you. I know you're going to be tuned into the game at at 1 p.m., but at halftime... Make sure you tune back in here to my show because I'm going to have our Brian Costello, beat reporter for the Post and the Fan, calling in live from MetLife Stadium in a real-time or to give us a real-time assessment of the Jets playing against those Cincinnati Bengals. So, Jets fans, I know that once the game starts, you're going to go away, but come back at halftime. I've got you guys. And the Giants fans at 120. I'm going to have Alex Gold, the midday co-host from our sister station, 610 AM Sports Radio, Kansas City, which is the radio home of the Chiefs. He'll be joining us at 1.20 to give us, obviously, a different perspective on this Giants-Chiefs Monday Night Football showdown. So something for everybody today, tricks and treats for everybody, and I hope that you're going to hang in through the entirety of the show on this football Sunday. Yeah, with that said, I'm going to start with today's game. The Cincinnati Bengals at the New York Jets. Joe Burrow will be doing his best Michael Myers impression this Halloween as he looks to slay the Jets in what could be a Week 8 massacre. I mean, let's be honest. This Jets team, they're probably the first to die in any scary movie. You know, the weakest person. That's the Jets, and uh, it, it might be a bloodbath. If you're going to the Jet game, it, it, it has all the makings of being a bloodbath with this Halloween theme song on this Halloween 2021. Now, Robert Sala said after that spanking against the Patriots, he said, I know it's hard to see right now, but I know the direction we're going in. I know where it's going to get. Okay, I want to be optimistic. I am sitting here in a Jets t-shirt. I do. I want to be optimistic, but... The Jets are coming off a game where the last time they allowed that quantity of points in a single game, at least 54, was 1979 when My Sharona was the number one song on the Billboard chart. Until last week. And for the record, Lil Nas X and Jack Harlow's Industry Baby was number one. So the storyline of the game was uh, a complete defensive breakdown compounded by the starting quarterback having to exit the game in the second quarter. Not good for the Jets. So this week, let, let's take the defense first. Salah recently said, give us, give us an inch of grass and we'll protect it. Okay, true. The Jets entered last week with the second best red zone defense in the league. Through the first six weeks, the Jets had only surrendered touchdowns on just, I'm going to round up, 43% of their red zone, the opponent's red zone trips. That's pretty good. I mean, the league average was nearly 62, so the Jets were below average. 
in red zone defense. Or I guess I should say below the average percentage. You know what I'm saying? Like the Jets were better than average in their red zone defense. And the Patriots must have taken that personally or something because they were absolutely perfect on all of their red zone trips last week. So the Jets' defense gave up seven, seven touchdowns last week. Seven. There's a little bit of good news, though, if you're a Jets fan. Do you want to know the difference between last week's game and all of the rest of the Jets' games so far this season? Captain C.J. Mosley was not playing last week. Now, I know that one single person cannot possibly keep 54 points off the board. But I also cannot ignore the fact that the Jets' defensive unit looks like absolute garbage when he's not on the field. Both last week and, if you remember, think back to September of 2019. Mosley left with an injury in the third quarter, and the Jets still had a 16-3 lead over the Buffalo Bills. And they had four takeaways to Buffalo zero. And by the way, Mosley had two of them, one of which was a pick six. Then when he left the game due to injury, the Jets' defense absolutely crumbled like a house of cards or folded like a house of cards in real time on all of our TV sets and in the stadium, obviously, too, if you were there. In the fourth quarter, with C.J. Mosley out, the Bills outscored the Jets 14 nothing and beat them 17-16. So maybe C.J. Mosley is the glue that holds the Jets' defense together. I don't know. Today, the Jets are hoping that that single person, especially in the middle of the defense, can make a substantial difference in a game. In fact, with number 57 on the field this season, the Jets have not allowed more than 27 points in a single game. So, you know, C.J. Mosley, will he play? Well, looks like he's going to. He said, this, this week, practice has been going well with my reps. It's still a day-to-day thing, but as far as I know, as long as everything keeps progressing the way it is, it looks like I will be playing. He, he was listed as questionable on the Jets' official injury report, and as of 38 minutes ago, C.J. Mosley is playing. That's great news. Now, defensive coordinator Jeff Ulbrick summarized his unit's performance last week as embarrassment is a quote, embarrassment, anger, everything imaginable from that standpoint. It's inexcusable, and it can't happen again. End quote. History can't repeat itself in back-to-back weeks. Can it? Now, let's look at the offense. First-time offensive coordinator Mike LaFleur still insists on calling plays from the sideline. Now, that's because Zach Wilson liked it. But Zach Wilson won't be neither starting nor playing today. So I would be curious to see if LaFleur decides to call plays from the box this week where he should be. In any event... The first drive last week was a total tone setter for the rest of the day for the Jets. LaFleur actually said out loud that he opened the game with two run plays to ease Wilson into the game. What? First down was one yard. They got one yard. Second down, they got three yards. Third down, sack. What a nice way to ease into the game, coach. A three and out that ended with a sack? You actually scripted that after two weeks of planning for that? Remember, the Jets were coming off the bye. And LaFleur said of his unit's performance against the Patriots, it's totally alarming. It's what our record shows right now that we are not winning football games. We are not having success. There is no question. There's nothing anyone is going to say that's going to make it any better or worse right now. We are hard on ourselves as anybody out there, so we are working to get this fixed. And for that, the Jets are actually going to hand the keys off 
to the offense off to, to Mike White, who is going to be making his first NFL career start. You know, I was wrong on Tuesday night when I said that the Jets were going to find a way to start their newly acquired uh, Joe Flacco if he was going to be able to learn the playbook in time. And I actually really thought that he would have no issues in doing so. However, he didn't show up in New Jersey until Friday, citing logistics. Flacco is going to be inactive, meaning that the Jets' backup quarterback is going to be Josh Johnson. White will be the 13th starting quarterback for the Jets since 2012. And more recently, White will be the ninth different starting quarterback for the Jets since 2016. Yikes. So the question on Jets fans' minds right now collectively is, can Mike White do enough for these Jets to put them in a position to win the game? Well, I'm not positive, and more on that at 140 when my, I make my official pick for the game, but Mike White's phys ed teacher from elementary school seems to really believe in him. He told the Post, is a quote, he's a field general. He's extremely poised. He wants to make sure that everyone is in the right place. His football acumen is extremely high based on his general personality to be cool, calm, and collected, end quote. Uh, okay. I mean, they couldn't get any more recent contacts to, to vouch for him? And one of my elementary school teachers told my mom that my brother is smarter than me. True story. Okay. And again, thanks to you guys tuning in right now. I'm at Life Stadium from the parking lots, hoping for a jet win. I'd love to hear from you. Yeah, let's throw it back to the scariest music video of all time. Michael Jackson's Thriller. You want to know why? I think that there's going to be a thriller in Kansas City tomorrow night. Can you imagine if this Giants team shows up at Arrowhead Stadium and upsets the mighty Chiefs in their own building? The end of this music video with the, the yellow eyes scared me when I was a kid. Joe Judge acknowledged that yesterday. He said that ultimately it comes down to the players on the field and how they execute. But in terms of the atmosphere out there, this is a great fan base. You know, I had a student of mine who was a Chiefs fan. He went out to Arrowhead Stadium for a game. This is maybe two years ago. He came back to school on that Monday or Tuesday, actually, and he said, it was nothing like he had ever experienced ever before in his life. He said it was the, by far the loudest stadium he had ever been in. And I've been to Kauffman Stadium, which is the Royal Stadium, and it shares a parking lot with, with Arrowhead. So I've seen the stadium with my own eyes, but I haven't yet been able to be inside it to confirm or deny what, the, what Dante told me. But how nice would it be for the Giants to on their opening drive, and hopefully it's a fast-paced one, Daniel Jones always plays better with tempo. We've talked about it here before. But how nice would it be for the Giants to put some points on the board, quiet those fans who are still finding their seats, and set the tone early? Now, my pick will be coming up a little later in the show, but I will say right here in the open that this Chiefs team is not the same Chiefs team that dominated last season. In fact, it's more reminiscent of the Chiefs team that went to and lost the Super Bowl at Raymond James Stadium this past February. Patrick Mahomes running for his life, and a Kansas City defense that gives up a boatload of points per game. Did you know that that defensive unit has only forced 17 punts on the entire season? This Giants team is built tougher than this Chiefs team, and you don't need any stats to justify it. Just watch their style of play with your own eyeballs. 
I said this about two weeks ago, but, you know, I, I, I was tough on Kadarius Tony coming out of that draft. Uh, his absences from the team leading up through at least week one of this season. I mean, I really openly question his commitment to this team and to the game of football. And, and I was thinking about this. I would venture to bet that he sought some help because he is a completely, entirely, absolutely different player. He is so likable with his mentality and the things he says and the growth that he has exhibited over these past couple weeks. You know, our Paul Dettino asked him about playing on different surfaces since Arrowhead has natural grass. How could you not love Kadarius Tony after how he answered the question? Uh, not really. I mean, I could play on grass, turf, concrete backyard in the house like it don't really matter you know it's still gonna be the same game it's just um it's just really just how you just go out there and play you know anything can happen you know you can play in the park a lot scrape your knee you can do the same thing on grass or turf you know like it don't really matter the surface you know what a baller what a baller i mean the the line that got me was in the house because it just it it, it made me think of a time where my brother and i used to play football in the house too we were playing in the basement one day, and I dropped back to pass through a beautiful spiral his way, and it went right through his hands, right through his hands, and it hit the wall. But instead of hitting, like, the drywall in the basement directly on a direct hit, it actually hit the giant neon sign that my dad had hanging in that exact spot, of course, in the basement. And the bottom part broke off, and the tube was just swinging there as me and my brother stared at it. And to this day, he says I threw a bad pass. And to this day, I say he didn't catch a totally catchable pass. My mom sent it out. It got fixed. But anyway, the point is, I hope that Kadarius Tony and Daniel Jones's in-the-house football goes better than me and my brothers. But how could you not like Kadarius Tony? He is, he's a guy's a gamer. He really is. Now, now he is. He did not practice on Thursday with that ankle injury that took him out of last week's game. He was limited the rest of the week. His status is listed as questionable. I say he plays. So one caveat to this Giants offense is that Saquon Barkley and Kenny Galladay have already been ruled as officially out. But I then started to think, okay, well, it's fine. Because Daniel Jones worked an entire season without both of them last season. And then in the meantime, the Giants added a guy like Kadarius Tony to the offensive fold here. So it's unfortunate that they won't be playing, you know, Barkley and Galladay, but it's nothing that Jones isn't already accustomed to. My dad made a good point in the kitchen this morning. He was placing his 50 cents and dollar bets on the games, and he said, I like Evan Ingram tomorrow night. If he might get traded, they're going to try to use him as much as possible to try and show him off. Not a bad point there, Dad, but he's got to catch the ball. And that's a problem that Evan Ingram has had. In fact, the whole team has to catch the ball tomorrow night because the Giants, as a team, are tied with the Chargers for the second most drop passes in the entire league. Drops. Like, in the hands, on the ground, drops. The only team with more is the Carolina Panthers. And don't look now, but, but the Giants are coming into this game with some momentum. Last week, their offense totaled 23 points and over 300 yards, and yet it was missing its top four playmakers. And the Giants' defense held the Panthers to just three points and 173 total yards. The Giants' special teams unit was successful in putting up points on all five of their attempts, three field goals and two extra points. 
The Chiefs last week didn't even score a touchdown. And don't look now. Before you poo-poo the Panthers, think about that expression, you're only as good as your record says you are. The Panthers are 3-4. and four. The Chiefs are 3-4. and four. Is this Week 8 Monday Night Football game ripe for the upset special of the week? Well, I will tell you my official pick in the 1 p.m. hour. Of course, I'd like to hear yours coming up. My mom texted me, and she said, good story about that football story. Thanks, Mom. So let's get it going. I have set the table for you on this football Sunday, this Halloween Sunday. I can't wait to talk with you. 877-337-6666. I'm Danielle McCartan on The Fan in New York City. The Fan is on your smart speaker. To listen to the home of New York sports, just say, play WFAN. We ain't playing nothing slow at the Welcome back to Danielle in the daytime, everybody. For all you guys at MetLife Stadium tuned in right now, I appreciate you in your parking lot parties. Don't go anywhere. I've got my Jets prediction coming right up right now. First, this Jets team cannot continue to play from behind. It's just not experienced enough or good enough to do so. So, I mean, just logically, and I'll say it again this week, I fully expect the Jets to choose receive if they win the coin toss. I mean, how could they continue to play from behind? I mean, against the Cincinnati offense especially. I mean, Joe Burrow has got the sixth most passing yards in the league, and he's got the five, fifth best, best rating, 108.9. So not that I'm any sort of defensive coordinator or anything, but here's a direct quote from when I was making my Jets prediction uh, against the uh, Patriots, and I said, I expect the Patriots to put the ball on the ground primarily. The Jets allow, on average, 123.4 yards per game, 21st in the league. And the Patriots feature back Damian Harris is coming off 101 one-touchdown performance. So what happened? The Jets allowed 148 yards on the ground, more than I thought, and four rushing touchdowns, two to Harris. And he had eclipsed his total yards from last week by five yards. And this guy, J.J. Taylor, ran the ball nine times in that game, and two of them were for touchdowns. So... Oh, yeah, and Mac Jones recorded his first 300-yard game of his career. And, and what did Jeff, uh, Jets uh, defensive coordinator Jeff Ulbrich have to say for himself and his unit? He said, the New England run game, we didn't fit up. <laughs> well, I'd say. And he actually promised that it wouldn't happen again. Well, okay, here's where we are this week. How does the Jets-Bengals rush attack look? Well, let's just put it this way. The Bengals unit before playing the Jets averages more than 10 yards per game than the Patriots, including that Jets total. Not good. And how does the Jets' defense look to stack up against his Bengals' offense? Not good. The Jets' pass defense is coming off a game in which they, to a rookie quarterback, gave up 403 yards, three touchdowns, and a 125 rating, and no interceptions. The Jets have the 24th best pass defense in the league. And then you got Joe Burrow coming into town, coming off a week seven performance against the Ravens, in which he threw for 416 big ones, three touchdowns, and one interception, a 113.5 rating. I mean, also, my next question is, who can cover Jamar Chase? I mean, he lit the Ravens' defense up for an 80% catch rate on 10 targets, 201 yards, and a touchdown. Jamar Chase 
leads the entire league in yards per catch. The entire league. So how is this going to work? How does this Jets offense even stack up against this Bengals defense? Again, not good. C.J. Mosley said, we want to do our best to take all the pressure off our quarterback as we can. And obviously getting the ball back as quickly as possible, three and outs and turnovers, and creating good field position for our offense. Okay, better, easier said than done, right? So Mike White probably had a restless night last night because he, against Lamar Jackson, the Bengals defense finished with five sacks and seven quarterback hits. That's a lot. And I'm positive that in about a half an hour's time from now, you're going to start the first drive. You're going to hear the name Trey Hendrickson, Cincinnati defensive lineman. Number 91 is going to be in the backfield a lot today. You're going to hear his name a lot, I'm sure. And then you combine that all with the fact that the Bengals defense allows the sixth lowest average quarterback rating in the league. Yikes. Like, Mike White might be waving a flag of that same color by halftime. And I can't wait to see what the Jets are going to do with Denzel Mims' role with Davis out. Corey Davis is inactive, okay? So let's see what this Jets team does with Denzel Mims moving forward. By the way, if you're in Jersey, again, I am still, call me stubborn, but I put $10 on Denzel Mims as an anytime touchdown scorer today. At plus 900. That's what it was when I got it. So if you want to go ahead and do that, Corey Davis is out. And the Jets, the last time I looked, are are, are 11 and a half point home underdogs. And I mean, I hope I'm wrong. But I don't even see it being that close. I got Bengals 31, Jets 10. Bengals 31, Jets 10. All right, we'll go to your calls, 877-337-6666. Let's go to Phil in Suffern. You are leading us off today. Hey, how you doing? What's up, Phil? Awesome. So basically, you know, I look at this Giants game today, and I say to myself, Well, tomorrow night. You know what? Tomorrow night. Tomorrow night, yeah. And I say to myself, you know, this win would be a huge confidence boost. It would be an absolutely amazing win. You're going against a Kansas City team that seems to have not been able to get the right buttons clicked. Mm-hmm. You know what? But I think that, you know, our, our throwing game, you know, we've sounded a little bit. Daniel Jones has looked good. He hasn't really, you know, been wild around with the ball. But I feel like, you know, whether we're Saquon or Booker, you know, the run game, I have, you, there has not been a solid run game for the Giants. Yeah, you know they they haven't they have not had you know the been able to like tell Daniel Jones you know just hand it off to your guy he'll get you the you know that ten yard first down move it down the field get right. out of our own zone right they haven't been able to do that and I feel like that's gotten us in trouble time after time after time they run the ball you know they get a two yard loss and they throw for for fifteen yards oh my gosh what an amazing throw and then they're stuffed again back and they're at first and thirteen, at first and fourteen. Yeah, and then you know? they, they dump they're it not, off for one yard. Uh, wide receivers. Uh, yeah, little things work. exactly. Yeah. And I yeah. keep watching these plays, and I'm like Jason Garrett. You right, and I keep saying to myself, Jason Garrett, you had Deco Elliott, you had good running backs, you had a decent you know game, and you had and you did so well. Like where's that you know run smart offense? You know, I feel like against a team like the Chiefs the play action will absolutely be the most important thing there. Knowing that they're scared of that run 
and being able to throw it to a guy like Evan Ingram, where Evan Ingram's not having to throw it like in a tight spot because he has a hard time catching things. You know, you want to be able to throw it in the flat. You know, like I always felt like Travis Kelsey, he always runs that quick flat. And he gets that, he gets that, those 10 yards and he always keeps catching the ball. He doesn't drop it. Mm-hmm. And it's easy because the offense just cannot cover him. Evan Ingram is actually a pretty suitable tight end. He's not catching because he keeps on having to catch the ball in trouble because they know the throwing. Well, I feel There's like, no run game to be scared of. Yeah, and the thing is you have to establish the run first. And I'm looking at Saquon Barkley, right? He, he plays in, in 63% of the giant snaps so far this season. Devontae Booker, 52% of the snaps. Not great. Then you look at Daniel Jones. You look at the Giants' rushing leaders. You know who's atop the Giants' rushing leaders' leading leaderboard, and it's not even close? Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones has the most rushing yards for the entire Giants team. Your quarterback is your best rusher. That's when you've got an issue. I mean, he averages more yards than Devontae Booker a game. Okay? He's got... Daniel Jones has two rushing touchdowns. Saquon Barkley has two rushing touchdowns. Devontae Booker has two rushing touchdowns. Daniel Jones has more rushes of 10-plus yards. I mean, Daniel, that is the problem with this Giants offense, is that they don't have a rushing attack. They don't have a threat out of that backfield. They don't. This, this offense is as one-dimensional as possible because – I don't even think, need to watch the team to know if I look at their rushing leaders, their quarterback is their best rusher. That's how I know. But when you look at this Chiefs defense and what they've been able to do um, against opposing quarterbacks, I'm looking, I look at a guy like Josh Allen. I think he's similar in playing style to Daniel Jones. And what he was able to do against this Kansas City uh, defense, I mean, Daniel Jones should have been studying that with his eyes closed, listening to it on, on podcasts and all this, the game plan that the Bills put together for Josh Allen against this defense. Josh Allen, Pat, he had a rating, first of all, of a 139 against this Chiefs defense just two weeks ago. And he had 59 yards on the ground. average. So if the Giants are going to make any sort of, you know, game plan, you know, to follow the model, so to speak, against this Chiefs defense, I would look at that Buffalo game. And, I mean, even Tannehill is not even as mobile as Daniel Jones is, and he put up some monster numbers over the past. This is the past two weeks, the past two uh, Chiefs games. So, um, yeah, I'd be following that model, but the problem is the Giants' leading rusher, is the quarterback. And until they can figure it out, they're not going to be much of a threat on the ground, unfortunately. Game planning wise. Anyway, let's go. Manalip in New Jersey. Gary, you're up next on the fan. Danielle, how are you today? I'm great. How are you? I'm real good. Danielle, you are so smart. I love that point about Jones seeing what the Buffalo quarterback did. Because mm-hmm. both body types are alike, both, both are like tanks. That can move the ball somewhat on the ground. Yep. I love that point. Every time you make a point like that, when you say, well, you, you're very intent, that's why you're a teacher, I bet. 
I mean, what? yes, but no, I just, I just like to think of things like I, I like to think of things as a coach. Like, how would I game plan if I was Jason Garrett? What, what would I look at to try and pick and choose from? And I would point to those two games. More importantly, the Bills game against the, the Chiefs for that reason. It's the smartest idea I, I, I heard all week about what game plan for the Giants. You know? <laughs> I'm not blowing smoke, really. Gary, thanks. You know, I just uh, I look at things in a different way, I guess. I don't know. Well, it's a small way. Anyways, one last point. I'm yeah. a Jets fan, too. Mm-hmm. And I want to say, can the Jets please get Elijah Moore to ball a little bit and mend some ball today? At least try. I mean, we're 0-7. We're, we're, not, we're not going to the playoffs. Do so, Try something different. A little running game. Get Johnson the ball on the ground. Do something different. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. they ain't going to Jets. Yeah, the Jets are uh, not going anywhere, right? And, well, here's my thing. Forget about Elijah Moore, right? How about how about Denzel Mims? Where is he? I I, I don't understand. You got all here. We hear about Mims, about uh, Elijah Moore. All he talks about is how great he is. Get these guys. To, I don't know why they're not on the field. Mm-hmm. Why they can't get the ball? But I mean, at least let's see something today. Yep. Yeah. Okay, now, thank you. I'm with you, Gary. Thank you. Um, also, speaking of more, the guy's got 4-3 speed. 4-3, like 40-yard dash, 4-3. That's fast, right? So he has no trouble slipping behind defenses. No trouble. I mean, when you look at a guy like uh, Elijah Moore and his yards of separation, which is always important, right? And when you, when you think about wide receivers, you're like, all right, what can they do? Okay, are they fast? Can they catch the ball? Can they get open? Like, those are, like, the top three things I think everybody would agree on, right? Well, Elijah Moore, ready for this? His yards of separation, 3.4, in case you were wondering, is equal, equal to the yards of separation by Tyree Kill. Yes, 3.4. Tyree Kill gets 3.4 yards of separation. So does Elijah Moore. And if you're wondering, Cooper Cup is 3.6. So, um... The problem is that they don't get him the ball. Like, there's an issue with dropping back to pass and putting the ball in his hands, despite the fact that he's open, which is, it could be, I'm thinking, that could be that game plan. Is the quarterback locked in on that one wide receiver and unable to look past that one wide receiver and just locked in on that guy, and if he's not open, tough, unable to look for more? I mean, could it be that the quarterback doesn't have enough time to get him the ball downfield, I'd have to look at his route charts, and maybe I can do that on the commercial. Um, you know, where where is he running most? Where are his routes? I'm typing that up, actually, right now. But I don't know. It's a, it's a great question. It's a great question. And if this is correct, I can't even believe my eyes. He's got just 79 receiving yards to show for it. I mean, what? I don't even know if that's true. I don't know. But either way. These Jets wide receivers are completely underutilized. And let's go Denzel Mims. I mean, if you're not going to use him, just trade him. Right? If you're not going to use him, if you have no use for him, then dump him and get something for him. Although I did notice that he played, I think it was 20 snaps last week, which is, uh, you know, more than he ever has. But, again, it was a blowout game. So we'll see. We'll see what the game plan is. Corey Davis is out. I've got my 10 bucks on Denzel Mims anytime touchdown score. If I celebrate in here, you know that's why.
All right, 877-337-6666. I'm looking for you, Jet fans, in this first hour to check in with me, check in with us from MetLife Stadium, 877-337-6666. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of tearing apart going on at MetLife Stadium today. But guess what? You guys have some long neck, ice cold beers. That's Luke Combs, everybody. Um, are the Jets going to win this game? No. Is it going to be close? No, I don't think so. I have it on here in the studio. I'll have one eye on it. You guys are at MetLife Stadium. From your, your parking lot parties, give me a call. I know the game's about to start, but 877-337-6666. I want to hear from you. And you know what? I guess... Um, you know, reunited, and, and it feels so good, right? Well, the Jets and the Eagles struck up a deal. And, and there's some great familiarity there, right? Isn't there some famili- familiarity in which the Jets sent a conditional sixth-round pick to the Eagles for a 36-year-old Super Bowl champion and Super Bowl MVP, Joe Flacco? But why? Why was there not a veteran quarterback on this roster sooner. That's something you and I pondered about aloud throughout training camp, throughout the first couple weeks of the season. Why did Joe Douglas neglect to sign the same exact quarterback this offseason? Now, he had to give up a conditional sixth-round pick to get him this time around. I mean, to me, I mean, that's just general manager malpractice to me. To give up a pick for a guy that ended up signing somewhere else on a one-year, $3.5 million contract just a few months ago? Like, what are we doing here? You didn't know you needed a veteran guy when you hired a first-time head coach and a first-time offensive coordinator? Or how about when you, you drafted a rookie quarterback? I mean, come on, man. Not only can a veteran in the locker room and a veteran with those accolades that, that Joe Flacco has, could he help a quarterback and the other quarterbacks in the room? He can help your offensive coordinator in, I don't know, building a game plan, being a sounding board. Like There are so many different uh, benefits, right? And, and, and Joe Douglas completely was like, nah, we're good. We're going to stick with our rookie quarterback, Zach Wilson, coming from a small school in BYU. We're going to stick with Mike White who has never thrown a pass before in NFL action. Oh, yeah, and and Josh Johnson. But we're going to put him on the practice squad. Yeah, okay. I mean, was Flacco the right guy? I mean, who knows? But he is the right now guy. And and this Cam Newton debate uh, that I've been seeing on social media, Cam Newton to the Jets, I mean, enough already. Forget about the drama that he would bring to the organization. And, And let's just compare the numbers. Joe Flacco is a better option. I looked at their... 2020 numbers, 2020, most recent, between Joe Flacco and Cam Newton, their quarterback ratings are almost the exact same number. And then when you get into advanced quarterback metrics, Flacco's better. And then the next couple things I'm going to tell you, higher is better, okay? Higher is better in the following metrics. Flacco's passing touchdown index is higher than that of Cam Newton's. Flacco's sack percentage index is higher than that of Cam Newton's. Flacco's interception percentage index is higher than that of Cam Newton's. And guess what? It's not even close. So stop with it. Stop. Again, this is the 2020 numbers. 
if there's one thing that Bill Belichick dominates the league at, it's evaluating talent. I mean, look no farther than his dumping of Nate Solder to the Meadowlands. I mean, it was shocking at the time, wasn't it, right? But Solder has done what exactly for the New York Giants? And there are many other examples, right? The Patriots model of dumping guys before they get too old or, or too unproductive or whatever. So if Bill Belichick dumped Cam Newton, I trust that he no longer has what it takes to be a starter in the NFL. And not to mention, not to mention, that Joe Flacco put up those numbers while playing on a Jets team with an absolutely inept head coach who's not even working in football anymore. Newton had Belichick. And then, if you remember, early on in the season when he was still a Patriot, there was this story that I saw that I had to bring it to your attention about Cam Newton. He was like, uh, how do I say it? He was on the field, and they, were, and they were at practice, and there were like some kids on bleachers, right? And the kids came running down. It looked like Cam Newton was going to throw the ball into the stands. Exciting. Very cool, right? So Cam Newton picks this kid out, and he points to him, or her. I, I think it was a him, though. Points to him, and he's like, like you. You're the one I'm going to throw to. Cam Newton, and, and he's about 15 yards away. And the kid is literally in the front row. Runs down the steps in the front row. And, and Cam Newton <laughs> brings the ball back to his ear, throws it, and it lands in the lap of a kid not even paying attention, like four kids away from the stairs, four, from the kid in the stairs. Like, you're 15 yards away, and you can't even hit a kid that's, unco- a kid that's uncovered in the stairway of, of, of the bleachers? Dude, what are you doing? You pointed to him. You couldn't even play it off. Like, you pointed to him, you're like, you kid, you're getting this ball. And you couldn't even do it. What was that about? So, no. Flacco, I mean, is he the best guy for the job? I don't know. But he, but he's better than, than all this noise I'm seeing. Enough with the noise. Oh, my God. 877-337-6666 in the order that you guys called. Let's go, uh, Ben in Queens. Hey, it's been a while, Ben. What's up? Morning there, Coach. Again, oh, I should say afternoon. Again, I'm, I'm a late bird, but I have yeah. to get up early to watch this because I'm a masochist. And, um... <laughs> I, I look, uh, no Corey Davis. Um, yeah, well, to, and, and it's something again. You pointed it out, Laurie pointed it out. When when this season started, we all looked like really there's going to be two first time quarterbacks on this roster and no experience backup. And then to make it worse, yeah. you trade for the experienced backup. Oh, I'm not available this week. Yeah, what was that about? I got to get to the bottom of that. He, he was unavailable due, due to logistics. He didn't get to New Jersey till Friday. What are you doing, man? Come on. This, 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 this is the most Jets thing. Yeah. <laughs> I, I need a quarterback now. Now. I, hey, uh, anybody got Vinny's home phone number? Yeah, Vinny, Chad. Guarantee, I guarantee Vinny at home right now. Is a better quarterback than all three of them. Yeah. How about how about Chad Pennington? He, he's still alive. He's still yeah. around, right? He's still around in the Jets organization. Suit up, man. Hey, Ken. Ken, I know you're coaching out there in California. <laughs> come on back. You may not have Altoon or Wesley Walker, but come on back. Yeah. Uh, and with this being said, that isn't even my major problem. You saw my tweet. The strength of this team was supposed to be the defense. Mm-hmm. Last week, you guys didn't buy the show up. 
yeah. at all. Right. All right? So this week, hey, I don't expect you to beat the Bengals, but I expect a million times better showing. Yep. Show a little heart. Mm-hmm. And, uh, defensively, especially because they're getting C.J. Mosley back, right? So you would think. I mean, I know the offense is operating without Corey Davis, their best receiver, and without Zach Wilson. But defensively, sh- show some heart. You're right. Because it looked to me like those guys quit last week against Patriots. I mean, look at the score. Yeah, and, and I'll just tie it off with a Knicks point. A couple of years ago, this was the Knicks. The Knicks would come into every game to collect the paycheck. There was no passion. Mm-hmm. Last year's Knicks total turnaround. Yep. Well, Mr. Sala, yep. I heard about you from San Francisco, and you did great things with that defense out there. This is your first red button emergency. Yep. Let's see you get this defense up. Let's see them perform today. Coach, thank you for your time and enjoy your day. Yes, Ben, thanks you too. And and, and Robert Sala, at all anybody ever heard about Robert Sala? Was he was he's an up guy? He's a, he's a you know, passionate guy, gets his team ready to play, all that, all of that. I mean, I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it. And I, I mean, I know for two Jets games so far this season I've been here, but with one eyeball on the screen, but, like, I haven't seen it. They just showed him on TV. He's got a beard now. Maybe the beard's going to bring him a little luck. I don't know. But what the Jets got as compared to what, was advertised to them, I don't I don't think was the same thing. And I know everybody went crazy with the all all gas, no brakes thing. And I said it then. I said it last week. I warned everybody that that's not good. Because even NASCARs, who are meant to go fast, right? Let's all agree on that. Even NASCARs have brakes in them. So let's pump the brakes a little bit here. Let's get back to the drawing board. And, um... Let's operate underneath the, the, the caution flag here if you're the Jets. You're the Jets. And, and you know what? Show a little heart. Show a little fire. Show a little desire, defensively especially. And they're going to have their work cut out for them later today. See what happens. Again, we got a, a live check-in from Brian Costello coming in um, at halftime from MetLife Stadium. Let's go to Sal in Valley Stream. You are up, Salvatore. Uh, hey, Danielle, thank you for taking my call. It's good to talk to you again. Yeah, good, good to talk to you, too. Thanks. Um, I got something real quick on the Jets, and I won't be so familiar with you, but, you know, yesterday I hear Brian Costello. I know you're going to have Costello on around halftime with yeah. the Jets. And so I hear him yesterday on with uh, Richard. So I hear Richard him on. No, so I hear him on with Richard yesterday morning mm-hmm. from 6 to 10. And, um, no, 930. And so Brian was talking about expectations from Mike White. They were saying that he might get a, a good score against the Bengals. I know the Bengals are a much better team with that win against the uh, <clears throat> the Ravens, mm-hmm. and I really hope the Jets get a win with Mike White. What do you think we could expect from Mike White against the Bengals today for the Jets? Do you agree of what Brian Costello said to Richard Neer yesterday? What do you think? Do you think Richard was right about this? So, so Sal, just catch me up because I didn't hear it. Oh, I hung up. Okay, so I can't comment on that. I'm not sure exactly what was said there, but what do I expect from, from Mike White? And I wrote Sal from Valley Stream. I will arrow Sal. I was going to ask him whatever you wanted me to ask him, but um, – I, I produce. Uh, oh, so okay. I so what everything. happened? What happened? Yeah. I mean, it's going to be a rough. It's going to be a long day. It is. It's going to be a long day. Mm-hmm. And that's what he said, basically. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. Just crossing your fingers, hoping yeah. for the best. Exactly. So, I, oh, we were looking at on TV about uh, I don't know you guys tailgating in the MetLife parking lot at the 50 yard line there. Um, what what do I expect from Mike White? You know what I'm going to expect? Mike Lafleur told you 
that he had a conservative game plan, wanted to get um, Zach Wilson uh, comfortable. Zach Wilson, the starting quarterback from the New York Jets, he just wanted to get him comfortable in the early goings against that Patriots team. I'm like, a lot of run, a lot of run plays today. This might be a quick game in that sense. Like the clock is going to keep running and running and running. Um, hopefully one touchdown to Denzel Mims, and I would be a happy camper. I'm not expecting much out of Mike White, and I know his, his elementary school phys ed teacher is on the record saying that he is expecting a lot from him, but, but I'm not. Maybe two touchdowns? Maybe. Maybe. This is going to be a, a tall task for the Jets' defense, and that's how the Jets may have a chance. May have a chance. Just Mike White, here's, here's what I would tell him. I would hand him the football, and I would say, dude, just play mistake-free football, take the sack, hand the ball off, don't try to do too much. We are not playing hero ball. We're not making the playoffs, so let's not do any hero ball here. That's what I would do. All right, and the Jets are set to kick off. We're going to take a quick break, and you guys can load them up at 877-337-6666. Give Kevin a call and be part of the show here on this Halloween Sunday. Call the fan at 877-337-6666. Powered by Superbook. Better odds and favorable prices. Yeah! Welcome back to uh, Danielle in the Daytime here with two of Jersey's finest, myself and Kevin Wall behind the glass. We are huge John Bon Jovi fans, and uh, quick note, John Bon Jovi tested positive for COVID-19, and he uh, canceled a performance on Saturday. Um, it was a rapid test, and there was a whole thing, but John Bon Jovi tested positive for COVID-19 a short time before the show canceled, as well as the meet and greet, the Q&A session, and a Halloween party. Can you imagine... Oh, if you're going to that and you paid all those thousands of dollars to do all that, oh, my God. But, you know, he said he is, uh, what is it, He the 59-year-old Sayerville native is vaccinated and, let me start that over, is vaccinated is and is not experiencing any symptoms, according to multiple media reports. So um, rest up, John Bon Jovi, and this is the, the Kevin Wall signature song there, Kevin. Yeah, just hope uh, he, he's doing well, and it looks like they're going to be back on tour. The whole band was together uh Last week, uh, from what I saw, so there's definitely a tour coming and a potential uh, new album, I guess. I don't know. We'll see. Well, the wait and see. I'll see you there at the stadium. Uh, of course. <laughs> <laughs> All the nights. I'll see you there. <laughs> and, and the Jets have just kicked off. Uh, I don't know if they have won. Uh, the Jets have won. The, oh, yay. Here we go. The Jets won the coin toss, and they have elected to receive. Thank you. They must have been listening to the show here because um, – if they wanted to start fast, that was the one way that th- that they were going to be able to do it. And they received the coin toss. So we'll, they received the, the kick after winning the coin toss. So we'll see what happens. Okay, I, got I love those eye. black uniforms. I hate them. I was just going to say I don't like them. I don't really? like them. Yeah, no. I feel like every Jet fan, you, you know, of course you, you like the the, tr- the traditional like green. green. Yeah. But the black, though, I think it works with the Jets. It's kind of like the Mets. I mean, the Mets we fell in love with. I like the, the Jets. Black. It's going to take some time. I don't know. You're eventually going to fall in love. If you're a Jet fan, I don't know. Give it a couple years as. You know, oh, well, so far so good. You know, I I just like them. You know, even as a Giant fan, I, I like the Jets black. I, I felt like they were long overdue, believe it or not. I just think that when you think of the Jets, they're they're white and green, like. But th- 
they're like the rare team that you can see them that can fit with black. I'll give you that. Yeah, I'll give you that. I just, I don't know. I like the, in the order that I like these, I talk with my friends all the time about this. I like the green the best, then the white, then the black. I hate the new uniforms, though. Like, they should go back to, like, you know, like, before. Like, like the, the Winker Bet days? Yes, the yeah. Winker Bet days and all yeah. that. But yeah. I, I love the, the black uniforms, though. I, I don't know. I think years ago they should have done it. I feel like you're, like, you're one of those people that like the red Giants uniforms. I did believe it or not, but they sucked every time they played. I so hate the red ones. Really? The tertiary. I just don't like the tertiary color ones. That's all. Did you also hear the report that the Giants requested uh, on October 22nd to wear the Super Bowl that, that, gray no, pants? No, no, no. That they're going to change. That they're requesting to change the logo. Go back to the original no. Giants yeah? helmets. Yeah. Good. And potentially the new uniforms are going back to the 80s. Oh wow. So it wasn't really confirmed, but there was a report that the Giants requested that. On October 22nd or 23rd, one of the two days moving forward. So get ready, you know. Long overdue, you know, a new era. Let's let's bring back the, the 80s era, the Parcells era. Yeah, and those giants on the helmets, oh, I love it. Like, instead of the NY. And they have the color rush uniforms. I Beautiful. think they're the freshest ones in the league. Beautiful. I want to see all blue. Yep. I'm ready to see all blue and white. Of blue course, and white. But, yeah. But I wouldn't mind seeing all blue. Let's change it up. I don't know about the all blue. Blue pants, too? Yeah. We'll be blueberries once a year. I don't know about that. No, but I do love the Giants on the helmet. That that was, I mean, the Giants had the freshest uh, color rush uniforms in the entire league. So uh, that's good news. I like that. And Mike White's looking good so far, you guys. The Jets are moving the ball. So we'll see. I'll keep an eye on it. All right, we'll go back to the calls. 877-337-6666. Kevin and Camden, you're up on the fan. What's up, Coach? How are you today? Great. How are you, Kevin? I'm all right. I'm all right. Um, I was going to say about Robert Sala. Oh, I mean, the shots looking good so far, but we'll see. I mean, it just started. But so far... Robert Sala looks overmatched in the NFL. Yeah, I, I, I might. Not, you know what? Not even just him. I think the offensive coordinator is in ten feet over his head. I think. Oh, without a doubt. Now, I was one stat that gets to me. I mean, not only do we not do we not we're the only team that hasn't scored in the first quarter, but also we don't have an interception all year. Like, I mean, it's like uh, takeaway. There's no interception. I don't. Think, yeah. I don't think they have an interception. They're the only team in the NFL without an interception. The Jets. That, that is like wow. And, mm-hmm. and I want to say this, and, I, and, I, and you know, I, I, I didn't want to go here, but I'm gonna, I'm kind of in that mood tonight. Adam Gase's teams, as much as I didn't, as much as we both didn't like him, and I don't like him. I don't, I don't, I'm not telling you that I don't, I want him back. He deserves to be gone. I'm not gonna get into that. But Adam Gase's teams were better prepared than this. So I mean, so far. Yeah, I know. I mean, and, and it's like the, the one thing. First year, and, and I mean, this team would be lucky to approach that. You know, Kevin, and I think that's the one thing that the Jet fans are afraid to admit that that these teams look as ill prepared or worse than an Adam Gase led team. You're right. And that's something. I mean, I, I, and and this, and what was with Flacco not being able to? I mean, I, don't, I already told you last week when 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 you, when you were on. I didn't. I, I wasn't so crazy about this, but and he's not ready to play. Yeah. What are you doing, man? They trade for him on a Monday, and yeah, they're expecting and him play? to be in in New Jersey by Tuesday, and he doesn't show up till Friday. What What are you doing? Like, what are you? I I, I don't get it. I this I don't know what's going on with the jet. I don't know what they're doing in Florham Park, but something something is just disconnected there. I I I don't know what it is about the Jets. I I hope they look. I don't expect. I have no faith in White, but they're looking good so far. But. I don't know what to expect of this team. I really, it's just, this is just bad. Uh, there's no way we go around it. This is just bad. You know, Kevin, and great point there about the, the uh, Adam Gase thing. The one thing I will say, and as you were talking, I was thinking about, you know, when you said, well, what is it? I was thinking maybe, maybe with this Jets team, it could be that 
that I'm looking at all these names on the back of these jerseys, and, and who's the veteran in the group? You know, who is that veteran on that offensive group? I mean, you've got, I think, I believe I remember seeing that the Jets have one of, if not the youngest average age uh, for players on that team. So they're a young team. They are. But to have to navigate that, again, with a first-time, first-ever-time head coach, and there's some growing pains there. First-time-ever offensive coordinator, there's some growing pains there. And then your rookie quarterback, who you're, that's, that's all this season is about, is the improvement of Zach Wilson. He goes down with an injury. And you've got Mike White making his first career start ever on a team that, in the, the first quarter of this season, the Jets have been outscored 44 to nothing. 44 nothing in the first quarter of this entire season. They're the first team since 2008 with zero points through six games. First Jets team. They've got the fewest total yards in the first quarter in the NFL. They've got the fewest first downs in the NFL in the first quarter. So it's like you have a week. Like the first drives are always scripted. And you have a week to put them together. Where is the ineptitude? I place that on the game planning, and I place that squarely on the shoulders of the offensive coordinator, Mike LaFleur. Oh, LaFleur, he's a he's a from he's the brother of the Packers coach, blah blah. He's gonna be great. Has he been? And the Jets have literally been dinking and dunking this entire game, and they are now at what? The thirteen yard line. They are in the red zone, the Jets. Fans are going nuts. <laughs> and and please throw it to Denzel Mims so I can make some money and I can just stop paying attention here. And it's just dink and dunk, catch and run. And that seems to be the game plan. So the, the, one of the other callers is like, what do you expect from Mike White? There it is. And the Jets are moving the ball, believe it or not. They've had a nine-play drive for 61 total yards, and now they're in the uh, now they're in the red zone. Wow. Look at this Jets team. Look at this Jets team. Let's go. Denzel Mims, number 11. Let's go find him in the end zone. How about we? You guys know um, this upcoming uh, this upcoming weekend, UFC 268 Madison Square Garden. I'm going to be there. I'm going to come right from here. I'm working 5 to 9 on Saturday, and I'm going right to there right after. And I'm lucky, and I'm very thankful that they're going to allow me in the door late. But I'm also very excited because this is going to be my first ever experience in person at a UFC event. And I just feel that. Like, since I, I've developed a friendship with Misha Tate through my now defunct WFAN Women in Sports podcast, I just I just feel the need to be more well-versed in it, um, you know, going to it, talking with some of the fighters, and in addition to her, obviously, and why not go there? Why not be a part of it? And so you guys know, I am going to try to you know, because I don't like commenting on, on sports and stuff that, like, I, I've never tried myself. Like, I know I've never played football, but I played flag football. I understand it. You know, video games, all that stuff, right? But played baseball, played basketball, all this stuff. I played hockey in the driveway with my brother, but never organized. But I've never tried any sort of mixed martial arts. So 
I'm going to try it. And and my New Year's resolution, you know it, is to try something new once a month. For October, it was starting to run with regularity uh, for September. For October, it was being in a 5K for the first time. By the way, we together raised $1,000. Go us. So for November, I'm going to try Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. I'm going to get a, a lesson from Mike Varley at Black Hole Jiu-Jitsu in Mayopac. That's going to be my new thing for the month of November. So we'll add that to my resume of softball playing, field goal kicking, and free throw shooting. And wow, we touchdown New York Jets. Wow, we. The Jets have become the, I think, first or second team that the, that, that the Bengals have ever allowed an opening drive touchdown to so far this season. Wow, we. Mike White, here's the replay here. Mike White takes a snap in a shotgun formation, pitches it left to Carter, halfback pitch, little juke move there, and Carter's in the end zone. Untouched? Was he untouched? Yeah, basically, yeah. Basically untouched. Wow. Jets 10 plays, 75 yards, and the kick is good. The Jets have taken a 7 nothing lead over the Cincinnati Bengals. Wowee, what a statement by the Jets. They might make us all eat our words here. Kevin, I, I know I just I didn't ask you before it started, but what is your Jets pick? You can't change it I now. Said, no, well, I said it was going to be a close in the first half, and then I think the Bengals are going to go away. Okay. I, did predict, I did predict 34-6 yesterday on the air. So obviously that's not going to happen. <laughs> You're already that's out. not going to happen. <laughs> but I do think the Bengals are going to end up blowing them out. I really do. I, I believe in Burrow. I believe in the Bengals' offense. You know, it's been a 180 in the last year with the Cincinnati Bengals. And I feel like the Bengals have always been that type of team where they suck for like three years and then they come out of nowhere and win the division. I'm not saying they're going to win the AFC North, but, you know, they're in there. They're arguably, they are number one in the AFC at the moment. So they have improved. And then when you bring in Jamar Chase on top of that, Joe Burrow's best friend in college, you know, it's a match made in heaven. They go together like lamb and tuna fish, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> I don't. Big Daddy? You've never seen Big Daddy? I have. Lamb and tuna fish? More yeah. like spaghetti meatball? Oh, but, yeah. But, yeah. yeah. What's his name? Uh, Rob Schneider. Yes. Rob Schneider. Yeah. No, no but, my favorite line in that whole thing is uh, the goddamn jet. <laughs> I mean, we've been thinking that, that, that a lot over the forever. past years. Forever. But anywho, no, this is the type of game where the Jets will play close. You know, they'll give Jet fans some hope. And in the second half, Joe Burrow and the offense are just going to go AWOL, and, you know, you're going to see the result. So I did predict 34-6. Okay. I was wrong on that prediction, but I didn't bet money on it, so I really don't care. Yeah, me but neither. I do think the Bengals, you know, thanks for that. But I do believe the Bengals will take care of business in the second half. It just has that type of vibe of game. Black uniforms, Mike White, you know, new quarterback, you know, Flacco coming in. Obviously, he's not playing today. But he's probably helped in the meeting rooms over the past two days. I mean, he came in on Friday, so, so how much of a practice. difference what he was? Well, he was part of it on Friday, though. He was part of the whole... Thing. Okay, it's just like, hey, Mike White, Joe he's, Flacco, nice to meet you. Yeah, he's my, other than that, yeah, my, my study buddy. Here, Joe Flacco, here's my study buddy. Yeah, other Flacco. than that, and, and it's a different playbook uh, to is. begin with. But he has some he familiarity here. in the offense, though, the Shanahan No, he offense. does, don't get me wrong, but it's also a different playbook. And he, Anyway, he, you know, we know Flacco's going to come, come become the starting quarterback down the road, but, you know, this was a Mike White type of game. And, you know, let's let's see what the kid happens. You know, if the gymnasium coach has all the confidence in the world, let's give him a shot. What do the Jets have to lose? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> Look at their record. Exactly. Nothing. So what the hell do they have to lose? But, uh, 
You know, good first drive. He, he was perfect to begin with yes. in the first drive. Yep. But, I, you know, it's not going to last. Well, we'll see. I mean, I got a tweet from uh, Raymond RJ, and he said, love the show. White 7 for 7 on the opening drive. And he put a – was that is that a ghost? It looks like a little ghost emoji, like a dancing ghost. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Oh, he I, wasn't seeing ghosts on that first drive. No. Like the last quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? And, and the other thing is, too, uh, you know, the uh, the Jets, this is the first time they've scored a first quarter touchdown all season. It's week eight. It's week eight. Oh, man. Well, well, we'll keep an eye on it for sure. And, uh, yeah, it's about time to give us a different perspective on this New York Giants-Kansas City Chiefs showdown on Monday Night Football. We're going to talk to Alex Gold, midday co-host from our sister station, 610 AM Sports Radio, KC, Kansas City, home of the radio, radio home of the Chiefs, coming up next on The Fan. The fan is on your smart speaker. To listen to the home of New York sports, just say, hey, Google, play WFAN. Welcome back to Danielle in the daytime here on The Fan in New York City. And um, if you're a fan of the show, you know that I like to kind of tune in to different radio across the country just to see, uh, get a perspective from you know, the other team's point of view. And, and you could do that through the Odyssey app. Um, this is not a commercial. It's just a fact. And um, I connected with, uh, in my time here so far, with um, Alex Gold. He's the midday co-host from our sister station, 610 AM Sports Radio, Kansas City. And um, he is here with us live on the phone to give us a perspective, just a different perspective, the Kansas City perspective on this Monday night football game. So, Alex, welcome. Welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us here on this football Sunday. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. It's kind of nice, you know, just sitting back watching some uh, NFL Red Zone. That's the benefit of having your teams play on Monday night. You can kind of just relax a little bit and, and watch all the games. So right. Nice. What do you What are you most locked in on so far? Oh, right now we're the Red Zone channel. You know how they bounce around. Yeah, so yeah. I'm. Uh, I got some bets out there. So we're keeping an eye on this 49ers Chicago game. Got it. Okay. Okay. All right. You know <laughs> the um, the Giants this week seem to be getting a Chief team in flux one that's trying to find its identity. I mean, you're you're there, I'm here. Would that be a correct characterization of this year's Chiefs team so far? Well, that's what's amazing about it is this is not a team that has a ton of new starters overall. This is a veteran team in Kansas City, a team that we know that's been to three straight AFC title games and two straight Super Bowls, including a championship. And yet even Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes had mentioned earlier this week that they aren't sure what their identity is yet. And that's that's extremely problematic for a team uh, considering the, the expectations that everybody had here in Kansas City. It's Super Bowl or bust territory mm-hmm. right now with this current group. And so what's so frustrating is that. And, and, of course, ultimately people are looking at a defense that's the worst in the league. That's one thing. But now you factor in the turning the ball over more than anybody else. And that's what's created a 3-4 to four football team and a team that is, is desperate to, to find a way to get some momentum here because – you start looking at the schedule. It just does not get any easier. After the, after the Giants, it is, uh, it, is, it is awfully tough, the toughest schedule in football, as a matter of fact. Mm. Um, Chief, uh, Chiefs offense, uh, Patrick Mahomes said, in my career I've never been someone who throws a lot of interceptions. I have to look at it now, reevaluate what I'm doing, and I'll have to cut it out. But when you consider that Mahomes is turning the ball over more than ever before in his career, what, what would you point to? What does he have to cut out? It's the fact that he's pressing. I mean, he's acknowledged it as well, and it all stems from the defense. You've got a, a defense that's been so bad that 
whenever Patrick Mahomes and this offense on the field, they feel like they got to go and score every single possession. And there's plenty of truth to to that and, and why he feels that way. But here we are heading in week eight, and himself and Andy Reid, they haven't made those adjustments. So it's seeing how defenses are playing them, which is, hey, we're not going to blitz you. He gets blitzed less than any other quarterback in the league, and 30 of his 33 interceptions in his career have come when he's not blitzed. So teams are saying, all right, we're going to sit back, we're going to rush four, and, and right now we're also going to get some pressure with our four because the O-line's been iffy the last couple of weeks, and the big play has not been there. So Patrick Mahomes' willingness or unwillingness so far really to take that six-yard option that might exist, and that's what's led to, to the, the pressing, that's what's led to these turnovers. It still is why people in Kansas City look at this team and say, all right, out of everything that's wrong with this football team, the offense is still the most correctable. Because unless you believe they're actually going to turn the ball over 47, 41 times, excuse me, mm-hmm. this season, that, that gets corrected. What's less likely to get corrected is this defense that currently uh, sits and resides in Kansas City. From the radio home of the Kansas City Chiefs, Alex Gold is with us here on the fan in New York City. Um, you know, why, though, has this not been put on Mahomes' radar before? Because I saw a stat that said he'd, last season he only had six interceptions, but he broke the NFL's record of having 16 additional ones dropped, Mahomes. So why now is there a, a focus on this? Right, I think there is some just regression, right, law of averages that kind of plays here because you're right. I think it was Pro Football Focus that put that the stat you were referencing out, and they had some breaks that went their way. I mean, there have been some flat-out bad decisions from Mahomes this year, and then there have been a couple that, you know, are dropped by receivers, get tipped up in the air, and last year maybe those fall safely to the ground. Well, this year they're not. So is it, it's some balance of that. And then, again, to my point before, just, he's also just forced more balls. So I, I think it's just a little bit of a balance. I mean, this is a guy that – Right now he's on pace for over 20 interceptions and including his fumbles because he fumbled the ball a little bit too. He's on pace for, I think it's 26 turnovers, which is just completely unheard of for him. I think there's a balance of luck, also some regression, bad decisions, and it's all come together. And also considering who they played, some of these opponents, it's created this what is viewed as a disastrous start in Kansas City. And this was a conversation that nobody expected to have about, all right, can they actually make the playoffs like that? You would have, people would have laughed at you if you would have brought that up you know, back in August or September. And it's hard to say that. I mean, we're talking about Patrick Mahomes here. And, and you mentioned it. it. It's not about the interceptions only. I mean, the, the full picture is he's at the top of the league in lost fumbles, too. I mean, what is the explanation? I mean, is he playing hurt? Everybody saw him get off of the turf that day. But is he playing hurt? No, he's healthy. No, there's no injury uh, whatsoever. At least that would be a complete surprise to everybody here in Kansas City. He's mm-hmm. healthy. It's just been, just been a combination of what everybody goes back to is the idea that he's, he's pressing uh, and that the big play is not there yet. He still wants to take the big play. So it's it's something where if your quarterback isn't making those adjustments on his own, here we are seven-plus weeks in, mm-hmm. then a lot of it to me still falls on, on Andy Reid and, and finding a way to put him in some better spots. And whether that means they you – know, some people believe here that they need to rely a little bit more on the run. I don't know if that's necessarily the solution as much as it is being accepting of you know, going back to, all right, if there's a guy that's that's a little covered 15 yards down the field, well, maybe it's all right to take that, that six-yard dump off because you're not going to make a mistake and, mm-hmm. and find ways to move the ball. Because overall, other than last week against Tennessee where they scored just three points, they were still averaging nearly 32 points per game. So it's, it's weird considering they right. lead the league in turnovers, and yet they still were finding a way to, to have, you know, the highest-scoring offense or one of the highest-scoring offenses in football. Alex Gold from Cody and Gold on the radio home of the Chiefs joins us here in New York. Um, 
Do you think it could be more personal? And what I mean by that is, is there like a level of distraction from his his brother and his fiance? I mean, they're ridiculously dumb TikTok videos. I mean, he looks like he wants no part of them. Could could it be more personal? Right. Now, it's been brought up here in Kansas City. People have brought up even, you know, the, the endorsements that he's got in all these commercials. And he was even asked about that on our, our afternoon show. He joins them each and every Monday uh, on 610 back in KC. And, you know, he, of course, had said, you know, during football season, football is, is 100% focused. And in general, it's his family, it's his faith, and, and football are his three main focuses. And so he, of course, said, you know, it hasn't been a distraction. But it was it was a conversation as far as the – you know, the family member type stuff. I mean, I did see the, the video that was circulating the last couple of days. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's funny how stuff like that takes off because that was actually from this summer. It's yeah. not even a recent video whatsoever. Right. But, yeah, I mean, it's, I, I don't think that's that's the, the, the reason for the struggles, uh, to be quite honest with you. I just think it's been really this perfect storm that's occurred that's led to his bad decisions, that's led to some other players uh, not, not making plays that they made a year ago. It's just this is what happens when you have a team that, that is clearly the most underachieving team so far in the NFL, considering what the expectation is. You're trying to you're trying to find anything like why, as you've been asking me, like what what is going on? What are yeah. the reasons? And everybody's everybody's searching for them. Yeah, and this whole thing with Tyron Matthew, uh, you know, mm-hmm. insulting the fans and all that. I mean, it's, it sounds like Kansas City is burning. Yeah, it's been a mess. <laughs> it's been a mess, <laughs> and, and Tyron did apologize yesterday. I mean, look, it's, as you know, I mean, it's, and you guys are there in, in New York City. It's if you think the fan base in Kansas City is tough, I mean, try try going to Philly or New York or you, you name any of these other major markets where the fan base is, is typically viewed as a lot more ruthless fan base. And, and it's a lose-lose situation. Like, if you are Tyre Matthew or any player in sports period and you start going after fans, mm-hmm. even if someone's trying to troll you, like, there's no there's no benefit. And I know sometimes it can be easier said than done to ignore it. I mean, you, you work in radio, too. You know sometimes that text line isn't the friendliest place, but you got to <laughs> – you know, you got to find a way to, to block some of that out. Yeah. And it was just a situation where if you're either Tyron Matthew or Anthony Hitchens, Chiefs linebacker, who, who also had those Instagram comments, it's just one of those where if you are an emotional person to begin with, when you're winning, nobody nobody cares about it. Like Tyron Matthew will call out fans even last year where they were winning. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's always been emotional. But now it's, it's you're emotional and the team's losing. So everything's magnified and everybody's, you know, a little bit of a shorter leash when it comes, and shorter fuse, I should say, when yeah. it comes to this kind of stuff. Of course. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, against the Bills, the Chiefs' leading rusher was Mahomes. Why can't the team get it going on the ground? Yeah, so they're down to their second string running back right now, too. Clyde Edwards-Alaire is dealing with an injury. He was placed on the IR. I believe next week he's eligible, at least, to, to come off it. We'll see if that's the case, because he got hurt in that, that Buffalo Bills game. And Daryl Williams is their number two back, and he's he's a role guy. Like he, he has a role on this team. He's great as a number two back. He's someone that if you just need to run straight north and south, he's probably your, your better fit there. But this is also an Andy Reid offense to where we know they're going to be passed first. Now, as our discussion was earlier about what's been going on with Mahomes and this team, there's some belief that maybe they need to try to run the ball a little bit more to, to keep some teams balanced. Will that open things up? ultimately to some bigger plays if you can can run the football and this offensive line even the guys they brought in are actually more run type of blockers Orlando Brown Jr. their left tackle who struggled in pass protection uh, he's actually more he's used to that Baltimore Ravens scheme of running the football and so there's there's definitely some belief there but right now they're also just down to their number two running back. So anyway, Alex Gold from the radio home of the Chiefs here uh, on the fan Chiefs defense you got Tyron Matthew Frank Clark, I mean, how can this Chiefs defense be giving up more yards per game than the Jets, more passing yards than the Lions? I mean, we can keep going, but but what's going on? 
Yeah, a lot of underachieving guys. I mean, this is a, a problem that's probably a couple of years in the making. You, you mentioned Frank Clark, who is other the, the highest non-paid quarterback in the NFL. I believe he's the seventh highest paid player mm-hmm. uh, on, on defense in, in the league as well. And if you just start taking a look at what he's done or hasn't done, he's been hurt a little bit. He also just hasn't been productive when he's been on the field. They decided to move Chris Jones, who was one of the better defensive tackles in football, to the outside, and that was the plan going into preseason. Let's move Chris Jones to the outside. You know, you'll, you'll go and sign Jaron Reed, a veteran defensive tackle from Seattle. Uh, nobody really has seen the guy. We don't know if he actually made the, the flight from Seattle to Kansas City. He's been non-existent. Mm-hmm. And so you've got guys where you've got all your money invested on the defensive line that are generating no pressure. And this is a team that hasn't invested all that much in the corners. Well, they've been able to make it work because they're getting pressure in the pass on the quarterback, at least enough of it. Well, now you have neither working. And so it's created this, this defense that is not all that athletic. They're, they're slower than they really need to be. And it's created a defense that cannot get any stops. And it's funny because the last two weeks, they actually have shut out their opponents in the second half. But if you step back a little bit and you understand the circumstances of last week, the Titans were already up, what, 27 to, to 3. And so their offensive game plan was way different in the second half. And then the week before, the Chiefs defense was playing a Washington football team. So no, this defense – is is absolutely horrendous, but it still is a position where if they could get to, you know, the 23rd or 24th worst defense, that if the turnovers get cut off offensively, that could be good enough. But nobody was expecting this defense to be great. It's just they're historically bad right now, right. and you couple it with the offensive turnovers, and, and you, you get a situation where this team is right now on the outside looking in when it comes to the playoffs. And also looking at just another number that jumped off the page to me, they've given up 29 points per game, and then you look at the company that they're in with that, they're tied with the Texans, and the team just below them, again, is the Jets. I mean, it's not great company. Oh, man. I mean, listen, we, we've had our, our, our struggles here in New York, so I don't have any sympathy for you down this case. No, nor should you. Nor should you. And look, the, the, the expectations right now, you know, it's Super Bowl or Boston, so there's just really – this is not anything anybody saw coming. You could have thought maybe there'd be a little bit of a, a drop-off. But this was a team, you know, I think their win total, the Chiefs were 12-and-a-half, and now if you just check in, like, the live win total during the season, it's down to 9-and-a-half. So you can just you – know, the expectations have gone in a tough schedule the rest of the way that just doesn't ease up other than perhaps on Monday night against the Giants. I mean, the thought is here that no matter what the Chiefs do against the Giants, you know, it's, it, nobody's going to believe anything has changed, right? They're going to, okay, yes, you beat the Giants. If that's the case, congratulations. But then you get the Packers the next week. Then we'll find out if you made any of these corrections. It's one of those where it's like, a yes, you got to win, I mean, obviously against the Giants, but nobody's going to take much away from a potential win against them. Alex Gold, host of the Sunday Spread on the BetQL app. Uh, okay, now let's focus on the Giants here. I mean, when you look at the quarterback ratings that this Chiefs defense has given up, Josh Allen, a 139.1. What can Daniel Jones take away from that game tape? Yeah, Daniel Jones, I mean, the, the stats are going to be there. The opportunities are going to be there. I mean, especially if, if you guys, I know Barkley's not going to play in this game. If you guys can establish any sort of running game and keep the Chiefs honest, play action has been an absolute killer to Kansas City. We saw that last week against the Tennessee Titans even, and I know it's Derrick Henry and he's a different animal, but mm-hmm. he was held to, what, 80-something yards rushing a week ago. But that, that's not what – like that's what was in the factor. The game, it was Ryan Tannehill who had a very effective outing against Kansas City, and they were able to keep the Chiefs' defense honest with play action. So I would say if you're the Giants, that's an opportunity for them. And not to mention I was, I was looking just even at, at some of the stats for Daniel Jones heading into this game and knowing what the Chiefs' defense is. I mean, if you're someone that's looking at – you know, Daniel Jones, I think his passing yard total is 245 and a half, 245 and a half yards. Like that, 
that just seems like free money at this point in time, considering what the Chiefs' defense has given up. Every quarterback, Jalen Hurts, for example, his best game of the year uh, was against Kansas City. I mean, if you're looking for your quarterback uh, to have a nice outing, uh, the Chiefs' defense is the perfect recipe for that. I saw the Chiefs fans made a GoFundMe to buy out the rest of Daniel Sorensen's contract. So which, oh, man. which giant would, uh, I guess, pose the biggest matchup nightmare for him tomorrow night? Yeah, so fortunately, at least on the Daniel Sorensen route, over the last couple of weeks, they finally made the switch that everybody was calling for. And so Juan Thornhill uh, is now the guy getting 100% of the snaps. Now Sorensen's getting 25 30% of the snaps. So he's still out on the field, but it's not as detrimental as it once was. They finally recognized that every team was attacking Sorensen. So now it's it's whether or not, you know, Daniel Sorensen is out there for 30% of the, you know, 30% of the plays. I don't, it's not nearly what, what the situation was before. But if you're the Giants, I mentioned the, the lack of athleticism that's really present on this team. And it's from the linebacker position in particular. Their, their linebackers are very slow. They're not all that fast. So if you can get, you know, a matchup against the Chiefs linebackers or get the ball out in space, that's where teams have been so effective against Kansas City. Specifically, I go back to that Eagles game, the one that stands out because it's an Eagles team that nobody thinks is all that, that good, but they offensively were able to move the ball. They got it out quickly. Jalen Hurts out in the flat to his running backs, to his wide receivers, and that's how they were able to make plays. So I expect the Giants to perhaps do that the same way. And Kadarius Tony would be a monster matchup right. there. Um, so we're in New York. How can the Giants win this game? Turnovers, right? <laughs> Turnovers, again, keep, keep making the Chiefs have the mistakes that they've had and that has hurt them in every single game this year. They're really, other than the Cleveland Browns game week one, Kansas City is turning the ball over Patrick Mahomes. If you're able to get him to make mistakes, that, that's how you stay in a football game against Kansas City. You're going to have an opportunity against the Chiefs defense if you're the Giants to move the ball. If you can hang in there, and also considering what the mindset has been in Kansas City the last week, if you can create a little bit of doubt that this is a game at halftime where it's a one-possession game and Patrick Mahomes has turned the ball over, I think that's, that's exactly the scenario that takes place for the Giants. We know based off of talent across the board, look, the Giants shouldn't be all that competitive. Mm-hmm. But, again, it's been the turnovers, and I think the Giants have to keep that trend going against Kansas City. If the Chiefs have a turnover-free game against anybody, they, 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 they can beat anybody. They could, they, right. they could have beat the, the, the Buffalo Bills. They could have beat the, the Chargers, for example. So that's that simple for me. The Giants have to find a way to keep the Chiefs as a turnover-prone team. And maybe this is a little bit of a spoiler alert to the listeners, but I, I'm picking the Giants to win this game. And uh, Oh, okay. Yeah. Hey. I mean, look, right now it, this is not the same Chiefs team. They're, they're as vulnerable as they ever have been. I think the spread is 10. I think a lot of people probably like them to, to cover. You're just going outright with the win. And that would be – uh, that would set us up for in Kansas City for a a, a funeral to go ahead and kill the season on Tuesday because that's exactly what that would mean. You could uh, you could have zero faith of the Chiefs turning it around if they lose to the New York Giants. Well, you know what? I'll be on the air back here Tuesday night, so maybe I'll have you back Tuesday night. We'll see, we'll see what happens. Alex, thanks so much for taking the time out of your football Sunday to uh, to give that great perspective. You're awesome, and I appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Enjoy your Sunday. Thanks. You too. And uh, Alex Gold from. Uh, he, he does a lot. Alex Gold is the midday co-host from our sister station, 610 AM Sports Talk Radio, Kansas City. And he also hosts the Sunday Spread uh, show or, or podcast on the on the BetQL app. So Alex Gold, good friend of the show. He's been on here before. He's, he's a good sport. He's done a beatboxing with us before here on the fan, um, in my segments anyway. Um, and I think he won it, actually. So maybe we'll have to have him back on Tuesday because, uh, spoiler alert, I'm picking the Giants. And I know we have to go to break, but the Jets are, uh, I mean, they've had a, a, you know what, we'll just, I'll, I'll recap it for you on the other side of this break. And they just made a, another goal line stance. 
Hang tight, uh, and, and I'll fill you in with what has happened uh, throughout that phone call, uh, what's going on at, at, in MetLife Stadium, because the ball is on the Jets' one-inch yard line here. Okay, so stay tuned to that and to my show, of course. 877-337-6666 is the phone number to get aboard. I'm Danielle McCartan with you on the fan till 4 p.m. today. All the small things. That's right. There is a small thing happening at the MetLife Stadium right now. The call stands throughout our commercial break. They were reviewing the call on the field, and the uh, Cincinnati Bengals are short of the goal line. Brings up second and goal. So a quick, um, like I said, I have one eye on this Jet game. As uh, as Alex Gold was talking, I did have one eye on this game. So here's here's what I've gotten. As, as he was talking, I, I was taking a little bit of notes. I'm I'm very good at multitasking, and, and then the uh, Bengals just got in. Okay, so here's what happened. Here, here's what led to this touchdown. First of all, um, Mike White has now set for this season's record for the uh, straight uh, completions record, I should say. So it was at nine. He actually got to 11 straight completions, which is a Jets record for this season. Then there was an interception. Then the Jets had a major, major three-down goal line stop. I mean, the the, the interceptor, I, I don't know who it was, but the, the guy got down. Elijah Moore brought him down, a, literally, I think it was the one-yard line. And then the Jets' defense pumped up completely, forced a three-and-out at that point. And uh, I wrote down forces a field goal, but it clearly didn't happen that way, so i got to go back and see what happened there. But um, then the Jets got the ball back and deep in their own territory. Obviously, maybe they went for it and, and didn't get it. And then what happened was, uh, Mike White threw a very unfortunate interception. The ball bounced off of the receiver's fingertips into the arms of the defender, and uh, that's what set up this touchdown drive. So we now have a score. Oh, he's doing the thriller dance. That's pretty cool. I mean, on Halloween, pretty cool. And I believe the score is uh, at MetLife Stadium. I believe it's 7-7 right now. And guess what? They showed Mike LaFleur. In the box, calling the plays from in the box. If you're a fan of the show, you know I've been calling for that for at least, I don't know, four weeks, five weeks or so. They finally, finally put Mike LaFleur, offensive coordinator of the New York Jets, in the uh, in the box, upstairs, calling plays, seeing the whole field. And is it a coincidence that finally the Jets are moving the ball? Finally, the Jets have put up their first touchdown in the first quarter all season long. Once they make that switch... You know what? I, I don't want to say I called it, but I called it, right? So the Jets are getting the ball back. Uh, just the second quarter is underway at the Meadowlands. 7-7 seven, seven tie. If you told me the Jets are going to be tied with them uh, with the Bengals through this point in the game, 7-7, seven, seven, I would have called you crazy. But here we are. Jets are tied. 7-7. Seven, seven. So there was... Um, we're gonna do. Let me do my Giants pick at two. My official Giants pick will be at two because I, I wanted to come back with. Uh, I wanted to come back with that Kansas City, Kansas City. Here I come. But a lot of good stuff from Alex Gold. I, I mean, I was taking some notes on him too. He said, you know, when I asked him about the Chiefs' defense, how can they be giving up, you know, all these ridiculously high, bad defensive numbers? And he said, just a bunch of underachieving guys was his quote. 
just a bunch of underachieving guys. Um, when I asked him about, you know, Giants matchups, Giants offensive matchups against the defense of the Bengals, he wrote, the Chiefs uh, have slow, I wrote, Chiefs slow linebackers get out in space. So that to me, you know, if I am the offensive coordinator, which I'm not, but if I was for the New York Giants, I would make sure that I scheme some plays for Kadarius Tony to get out in space, for John Ross to, to get out there in space. Because if they've got slow linebackers, I mean, look at Evan Ingram. He's a matchup nightmare for a linebacker. That whole middle of the field, that intermediary zone is going to be open at times. The Giants are going to have to just capitalize on it. But he did say twice, he said the opportunity is going to be there. He also said, this is Alex Gold from uh, 610 Sports Radio, Kansas City. He also said that the play action has been an absolute killer. Play action has been an absolute killer for that Chiefs defense. And one of the early callers brought it up that the Giants, though, in my opinion, have to get uh, the the running game going. They have to somehow threaten run at least a little bit. A little bit. And if they can do that, the play action is going to work. And look at the blueprint that Josh Allen put out there. If, if Daniel Jones follows that blueprint, if Josh Allen put the ball on the ground for 59 yards, if Daniel Jones can do that too, I'm telling you, I'm telling you. He also said, this is Alex Gold from Sports Radio Kansas City. He said, uh, New York Giants, they're going to have an opportunity to move the ball. And if you can create some doubt at halftime with how everything's going here in Kansas City, if you can create some doubt at halftime, one possession game at halftime, the Giants are going to be in a good position. I like that. I think it's going to be a lot closer. Listen, I told you last, uh, whenever I was on, the Tuesday night, whenever it was, I told you the story about how I took the, the Packers to win that, I believe it was a Thursday night football game in, in, a, in a survivor pool. We, I was one of four left in a survivor pool. And I took the Packers. I was like, no way the Bears are going to beat them. Okay, third play of the game, whatever it was. Packers are about to go in and score. And uh, Aaron Rodgers breaks his collarbone. So I'm telling you. And, of course, they lost the game and I got out. And then the, the three remaining guys, they split the money. I'm like, are you kidding me? And it was like a lot. I was not happy. I was not a happy camper. It, uh, clearly, I'm st- still not over it, clearly. But um, what I'm saying is, what I'm trying to make the point of is, I stay away from betting these night games. Monday night, Thursday night, Sunday night. I stay away from them. And this is um, this is a game that, you know, unless you're listening to this show, I, you might be like, oh, yeah, Kansas City Chiefs. Oh, yeah. Plunk some money down on him. No good. I don't think so. I think the Giants can keep this close. I'll have my official pick coming up. Let's go through some tweets. I've got a tweet from, it was, uh, oh, I lost it. Where'd it go? Uh, Michael Inegri always is good on Twitter. And he wrote, uh, let's see. Let's see. Hold on, hold on. And you guys can tweet me, at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N. He said, if the Giants win tomorrow, I have to give them at least an outside shot to make a wild card run. Still a long shot but at least a chance, signature game for Judge this season. I'm going to have to agree with that. This is a game that the Giants are not, 
I mean, every expert that I saw is not picking the Giants to win this game whatsoever at all. And if the Giants want to make a statement, Monday night's the time to do it against this Patrick Mahomes and this Chiefs team. They're getting them at the right time, absolutely. And let's see if the Giants can capitalize on it. I know they're going to be without Galladay. I know they're going to be without Barkley. But again, Daniel Jones has been without those guys for definitely all of last season and, and most of this season too. And uh, Amendola just missed a 54-yard field goal at the Meadowlands. Uh, I can't imagine that that was the right call on that play. A 54-yard field goal. Well, I guess they have no no faith in their defense. But the defense is playing good and energetic and, and, and everything today. So I probably would have punted there. A 54-yard field goal for, uh, for Matt Amendola. Probably not the right call there, Coach Salah. But that's just me. I got a tweet from... Uh, JJ, JJ Cortez, he said, caught this last night in bedside. This clown needs to get canceled. <laughs> it's a, a photo of a license plate uh, with a New York Knicks logo on it. I, I, this has got to be real. And it's, you know, when you have like the, the vanity plates and it says like uh, Knicks, you know, the, the logo of the team, it says, we lose. <laughs> this guy needs to get canceled. Oh, man. That's good. I, I'm a fan of finding good license plates. Uh, I, I, I am a fan of that. And I, every time I find, like, a good one, I'll send it to a couple people. I think there was one on the, on the George Washington Bridge. It was like a – I was like, is this is this Aaron Boone or something? I forget what it was. It was this, this summer. But, yeah, I like license plates. So, JJ, cool one. So, uh, maybe that guy needs to, to change his vanity plate to say we win because the Knicks are atop the Eastern Conference leaderboards. I mean, do you actually believe that? That the Knicks, have, one, have a better record than the Nets at this point in the season, and two, I believe they're in a tie for first place. The, the first place Knicks, tied, but still. A lot of good stuff happening at the Garden. Let's go to Jason in Warwick. You're up next on the fan. What's up, Danielle? I, I think you're awesome. I think you have a lot of um, sports knowledge, way better than a lot of the coworkers that you have. Um, so I'll just make a giant point on this one. You got it. What point do you say, do we want to tank a little? Because I think that tanking should change because it's a bad system. Do we want to win more or do we want a better draft choice? Yeah. I'll listen. Yeah, you know what, Jason, that's a good question. I think that's kind of where the Giants are at right now. And, and I pulled up two things. And if you give me, if everybody gives me just one second here, I pulled up two things. I pulled up remaining schedule strength. That's the first thing. Tankathon. Love that website. Um, when you look at the Giants, they are at, uh, they have the 20th in terms of strength of schedule, and Alex Gold was right. The, the Kansas City Chiefs have the toughest schedule remaining. When you look at the Giants, they have the 20th toughest schedule. So only like 10 teams or 12 teams have a tougher schedule than the Giants. So that's a good thing for the Giants. Actually, the win percentage of their remaining opponents is 485 at this point in time. Um, I think that's a really good thing. And we talked about this maybe two weeks ago. Um, about this, about it was at 5:15. The winning percentage of the teams at that point was before the uh, Panthers game was was at 5:15. So a 500 win percentage for the Giants team um, right before that Panthers game. Of course, the Giants won that game. Now their remaining opponents' strength of schedule, they have a win percentage of 4.85. Um, and crazy enough, the Chiefs are listed as one of the easiest opponents. 
So there's that. And then the other thing that I pulled up was the Giants' actual schedule here. So if I'm looking at the Giants' schedule and I'm looking at their next couple opponents, and, and I, this is a, I know a long-winded way to get to, to the answer I want to give, they've got the Chiefs, which I think, call me crazy, but I think that's a winnable game. I, then they've got the, the Vegas Raiders. We'll see. The Bucks, I don't think is winnable. I mean, you look at this Giants' schedule. Crazy as it sounds, I believe the Giants can make a very, very small playoff run. And it's unlike other sports where this is one game, anything can happen, and whatever, right? There's so so much more football left to play, but I don't think the Giants are in tank mode just yet. And I know with the trade deadline coming up, it's hard to say. But I think uh, guys that you have to look to move on from, and I hate to say it because I love them, and Kevin and I, we were just talking about this before the show, I think you got to move on from Saquon Barkley. I don't know if I'd re-sign him to a, a long-term deal. And, and the Giants are in a unique position that they can, they've got two first-round draft picks next draft. I'm not sure if it's a complete reload. I, think, I mean, I don't think it's a complete blow-up. I think it's more of a reload if you're this Giants team. I know Barkley's playing. He's got one more next year left on his contract. But, you know, the same thing with Javi Baez. I, I don't want to see Javi Baez wearing a Mets uniform. It's that recency bias. It would not shock me if next year Saquon Barkley comes out and has a monster season, best of his career. I mean, that might be a guy playing for a contract, just like Javi Baez was in the month of September. It's the recency bias. Okay, so don't buy into it. So I would move on from Saquon Barkley if I'm the Giants. I would... Probably try to look to unload Evan Ingram at this trade deadline. I know Kenny Galladay has been a gigantic, uh, no pun there, no pun intended there, gigantic disappointment with his injuries. But at the time I do and still believe that he was the right guy to go out and get. He is a physical receiver when he's on the field, and that's what the Giants need, and that's what Daniel Jones needs. Uh, so these are the kind of moves that I would be making and and. and and so on. So if you want to get aboard, 877-337-6666. We'll talk some Giants football as the Jets and the Bengals are tied 7-7 with 8.50 remaining. And we've got a live call in from Brian Costello at halftime coming up here on The Fan. The Fan is on your smart speaker. To listen to the home of New York sports, just say, play WFAN. Welcome to the final hour of McCartan in the daytime. Danielle in the daytime here on the fan in New York City. I've got one eye on the Jet game. There's a huge New York Giants football game tomorrow night, Monday night football in Kansas City. And a uh, couple things. First, before the start of this Jet game, Mike Ashmore, who's been on the show before, screenshotted uh, a secondary market app. And there were tickets, the cheapest ticket available for today's Jet game, before the, 10 minutes before the start of the game, $12. You can't even buy a beer for $12 in MetLife Stadium. I think maybe next, maybe next time Jets play, I might try to, get the, try, to, try to get in there for that price. I mean, come on. I like going to games. I don't care what game it is. I am going to the Bills game, though. That's for sure. I will be at that Bills game. So, here. You guys know, you anybody that follows me, at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N on Twitter, Facebook.com, slash Coach McCartan. Um, I asked for you guys to send me an emoji 
to describe your team's play that day. And after last week's Giants win, I've got a thumbs up for the Giants, a meh face, a robo arm emoji, a smiley face, a couple dancer emojis, and an I don't know guy. So clearly, Giants fans were not very unified in their 25-3 victory over the Panthers. So this week, let's do it a little bit differently. Why don't you give me a call at 877-337-6666 and tell me which emoji that you're going to use to describe this Giants team ahead of their Monday night football matchup against the Chiefs. We always do it after. Let's do it ahead of. So mine is going to be the shh face. You know the one with the, the finger above the mouth, the shh face. Why? Because every single expert and pick that I've seen has the Chiefs winning this game. And that's fine. Sleep on the Giants this week. I mean, who would have thought that the New York Jets were going to be down three points, three, well into the third quarter against the Cincinnati Bengals? And pause my thought there. Mike White is on the ground clutching his head. And there is a flag. I didn't see the play, but based on him on his back at in the middle of the field here, Yep, it's, it's roughing the passer. Wow. Number nine, Johnson, is headed into the game for the Jets. That, I didn't see the hit. Looks like they're trading him for a concussion right there on the field. They went to commercial. I'll keep you guys updated. But I'm telling you, the Patrick Mahomes is in crisis mode. He's coming off the worst game of his entire career in a regular season because probably the only one worse was that in the Super Bowl. And that was against the Titans last week in terms of quarterback rating. So I don't think he's going to be able to figure out in one week's time. I think the Giants match up well against this Chiefs defense that gives up the same number of points as the 1-6 Texans per game and only .2 points better than the Jets coming into today. That's some bad company to be around. They've got Giants have two speed guys in Tony and Ross. I think Tony's playing. He's listed as questionable. I think they'll play. I think they can get behind this Chiefs defense with ease. They can get to that second level. And, and create some major mismatches against the linebackers. As Alex Gold told you, the Chiefs have slow linebackers. And as long as Daniel Jones studies that Josh Allen Week 7 playbook, I mean, I'm telling you, I like the Giants. So to tie it back in, the shh emoji face is what I'm going for before, ahead of the Monday night football game to the Giants and the Chiefs. So continue to sleep on the Giants for tomorrow night. It's fine. Giants fans, I'm appealing to you. What do you think? 877-337-6666. What emoji would you use to describe this team and this team's chances to beat the Chiefs ahead of the Monday night matchup? To East Islip we go. John, you're up on the fan. How are you today? Good. How are you? Can you give me, before you make your point, can you give me an emoji? Yeah. What's the, what's the emoji for blown out? Oh, <laughs> no. Listen, no doubt. I promise you this. The Giants are going to get trounced tomorrow night. And I'm a Giant fan. Giants are going to go into KC. You don't think KC is ready, licking their wounds. What better team than the New York Giants? Can't stop anybody. And Mahomes is going to come in, and the final score, Danielle, is going to be probably about 42 to 10. Come on. And I promise you that I'm not going to be far off. The Giants are in way over their head tomorrow night. And Joe Judge will be up there, you know, 
uh, Monday night, Tuesday morning, the same little cliche. Well, we got to go watch the film and get better where we can and control what we can. Blah 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 blah. I don't know that the, the Chiefs' defense is horrible, terrible. They're like yeah, in company with the Texans and the their Jets. Their offense is a lot better than our offense. I don't know. I I don't know because uh, Patrick Mahomes has not been good, and he's coming off one of the worst regular season game of his entire career. I don't know. And maybe you're right. Maybe it could, it could go one way or another. That, that's the good in the fun in, in, in speculating. It is. It's fun. Josh Johnson has entered the game with a career completion percentage of 55%, eight touchdowns to 14 interceptions. I, I, the hit was was bad, and against uh, Mike White, and I, I think for sure he's going to be in concussion protocol. So I I guess next week you'd be looking at probably Joe Flacco starting and Josh Johnson backing him up, but he takes over on second and eight from the twenty three yard line, almost in the red zone. The Jets are. See what happens. We shall see what happens. They just notched the first down. Let's go to. Dennis in Connecticut, you're up on the fan. Happy Halloween to you. You too, Dennis. Happy Halloween. Thanks. Yeah, I'm excited about Monday night. My emoji is the uh, cross fingers yeah. emoji. You know, I was, know, I was toggling between that one too. The cross fingers one is a good one. It is good. You just, you know what, like last year, I still have that glimmer of hope. I still, you know, looking at the other people's schedules or team schedules. And, you know, it's amazing. I, I got to have something to cheer for. It's too early to quit. Yeah, so give me one reason why you're optimistic with this Giants team. I'm optimistic, I guess, because I see Daniel Jones coming around. I know he had a hiccup, you know, a couple games ago, but I really think, you know, if if he gets Tony back and, you know, eventually, you know, get um, Barkley back, just maybe something could happen. It's like not just like last year. It's like when Fossil said – you know, we're going to win the rest of these games. And I know he had a lot of stuff going on with that. But I feel like, you know what, let's stand up and see what we could do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I, it's a great point. And, and and I love the way that, like you said, Daniel Jones is taking care of the ball. Uh, what, two interceptions, I think, throughout the entire season so far he has. And, and one of them, one of which was with zero seconds remaining at the half, he's got four interceptions, one of those four then was with zero seconds remaining at the half, it was like a Hail Mary, chuck down the field, hope it hope it lands, and, and it ended up being picking off. So I, to, to me, those throws shouldn't even count to me. But, you know, in, in, in stats, just, uh, just a ticky-tack interception there. And then that was it. That was the end of the half. Done. Go bring it into the locker rooms. Done. Um, we'll see. And the Jets are now facing a third and 12 from the sixth. From the opponent six, Josh and, uh, Johnson under center. The play is developing. I can't give play-by-play, and it's an incomplete to Mims. No, in the end zone. Oh, you tuned in before. You know that I had a $10 bet on Mims to be an anytime touchdown scorer. That would have just won me 90 bucks, and it hit him right in the chest. Hit him right in the numbers. Oh, no. What are you doing? Oh, I can't keep watching this replay. It hit him right in the numbers, man. Oh. 
you don't want to watch football with me at my house. I yell at the TV. It's like I'm doing now. <laughs> I guess we're all watching it together. Oh, man. All right, to Astoria, Queens we go. Lou, you're up on the fan. Hey, Danielle, how are you? Good, how are you, Lou? It's amazing. You know, I, I wish Zach Wilson was playing, and I don't know, but the Jets look good pretty good. They look pretty good, right? They look pretty good. Let's not jinx it, but you're right. Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> but listen, as far as the Giants is concerned, the last caller might be right. I think they're going to get killed. But you know what? This is, this is my my thing. I think that uh, the quarterback, if Daniel Jones played for the Los Angeles Rams, will be 7-0. I'm telling you right now. That's how good a kid is. It's just that the problem is that at New York teams, for some reason, out coaching, they don't know how to put a team together. I'm telling you right now, you're going to stop us. You're going to tell me, hey, hey, he's a better quarterback than Jones. I just don't think so. I think that he has so much time to throw the ball that it's incredible. Anyway, um, about the World Series. Mm-hmm. My God, what a – I mean, I'm watching it because I like I, – I love baseball. Yes. But this has got to be the worst World Series in the history that I've ever seen in my life. It's nothing to watch. Yeah, so, Lou, wait. You tweeted me that last night, and I've been curious all day. Tell me why this is the worst World Series you've ever watched. Can you imagine? I mean, first of all, Correa, I'm getting sick of him. People telling me, oh, he's going to be at 30 and 100 sooner than later. I'm tired of it. Just go ahead and do it. Besides Altuva, okay? I, I mean, and this team was great in the regular season. The Braves gave you two games. They put a guy there that I think he pitches two two games in his entire life. And then they bring the next guy, which is an ERA or 10, or 10 or something, and you can't get it done. I mean, it's ridiculous. The errors, the mistakes that people are making. I mean, I mean, you don't have a two starters. And, 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 I mean, have you ever seen anything like it or just, or just me? I mean, I, I like seeing the Astros lose. I think if you're, you know, a fan of baseball, you like seeing, you know. Yeah, what well, I like to see good baseball, it doesn't matter to me because, right. you know, I'm, we're Yankee fans. We're from New York. But it, it's disgusting right now. I mean, it doesn't make any sense. I mean, I mean, you don't even have like, anybody that can throw five innings, you know. I, 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 I don't get it. I well, mean, yeah. I know it's a different game. Right. But, it, but it, I mean, they're just throwing anybody out there from the street. I mean, it, it, it's crazy. <laughs> well, Lou, and I think that in a way, I know you don't think it, but in a way, maybe it makes it exciting in that way. I don't know. I was watching the World Series game last night, and I'm, like, looking at, oh, what was his name? Tucker. Tucker from the Astros, right? Number 30 he was. And he I, I missed it. He might have been intentionally walked. I don't think so. He, but he was on first base, right? I was preparing for the show, my show now, last night while I had it on in the background. But he got on first base. He forced Travis Darno to try to throw him out at second base. And we talked here about how base runners in the regular season stole bases at a 72, 75% success rate. So Tucker clearly knows that, took his chances. Even if the throw was on in line, he would have been safe. But in fact, it wasn't. And Darno's throw actually ended up in center field. And Tucker ended up on third base. That is what I hope that this Yankees team can, I don't know, I hope they were watching, right? And I, and I hope they were able to see that that's how you manufacture runs. And then I looked down and got lost in my stuff. I don't know if he ended up scoring, but I just like seeing it. And I, and I was looking up and I saw, oh, base hit here. Oh, timely home run there. It's like, I don't know, the Atlanta Braves seem like they they're kind of completely put together. As crazy as that sounds, because they were – reshaped their entire outfield at the trade deadline at every position, left, center, and, and right. So, I don't know, man. And by the way, I'm looking at the jet game, and you got Mike White on the sideline looking at an iPad. 
Looks like he's going to be making his way back in. Okay. Cool. And um, let's do this. I got some major street cred with some of the, the kids at my school on Friday. I took them to school on our basketball court. And it's the same court that I saw out my classroom's window, Kerry Kittles, working one-on-one with a, a basketball team hopeful, we'll call him. I'll tell you what happened. Coming right up. Welcome back to McCartan in the daytime. Day all the daytime here on The Fan in New York City. You want to follow me on Twitter at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N or Facebook.com slash Coach McCartan. We're locked into this check-in here in the studio. Cincinnati just took the lead over the Jets with an eight-yard touchdown pass from uh, Joe Burrow to Joe Mixon. Joe to Joe connection there. Extra point was good. 24-17 Bengals. And who would have thought that the Jets were going to be hanging in this game and hanging around? Right now, the Bengals are at an 81% win probability. Up since halftime. I've got a uh, a little story here that I've got. I, I got some street cred. I was called off my lunch detention duty to cover lunch duty, the recess and the eating part. And one of my students came up to me, and he was holding a basketball, and he said, do you know how to play? Like, I will school you. That's <laughs> what I said to him. He said, yeah, right. I said, okay, let's go. Now, this kid is bigger than me in weight and in height. Don't laugh. I don't know, you know, but he's bigger than me. So we go out to the same basket that I saw Kerry Kittles using to give some one-on-one lessons to a basketball team hopeful a month ago. I told you about that. Anyway, as promised, I absolutely schooled the kid. One-on-one. He's like, can we play one-on-one? Yeah. Sure, let's do it. School them. Then another student of mine comes up and he's like, do me next. Like, okay. Schooled him too. Twice. He First time he was like, oh, oh. I said, all right, come back. Schooled him twice. Now, almost every single kid at recess is watching me take down challenger after challenger after challenger. Next, cheers were erupted from every kid. After I won every one-on-one matchup, kids were chanting my name. The camera crew for the morning announcements came out of nowhere, started filming. I was stuffing shots, poking dribbles away, forcing them into making air balls. It's pretty cool. I mean, so, some kids even high-fived me on their way into the cafeteria to eat. So I kind of felt like R.J. Barrett did uh, last night, uh, Friday night, I should say. He had a career-high 35 points. He tied a career high with six three-pointers made. And don't look now, but the Knicks are undefeated on the road this season. The Knicks are undefeated on the road this season. And guess, don't look now, but they are tied for first place atop the Eastern Conference standings. The Knicks, the Heat, and the Wizards, oh, and the Bulls, sorry are all 5-1. and one. That's got to burn the Nets, knowing that if they had a certain number 11 on the floor with them, that they could maybe just be as high as up in the standings as the Knicks are. 
that's my uh, my playground story from Friday. I uh, I schooled a bunch of school kids. It's all right. Don't challenge me to anything. Don't do it. You're gonna look miserable. I'm just kidding. He was a good sport. All the kids are good sports. And uh, I started. I'm, I'm old, so they were like, "Me too." I'm like, "No, I'm done. Two more. Two more. One more. All right, I'm done. That's it. Done." Can you come back out on Monday? Yeah, all right, maybe. Maybe on Monday I'll be back out. All right, let's go back to your calls. 877-337-6666 to Greenlawn we go. Rob, you're on the fan. Oh, Danielle, come on. You'll let these kids win a few games. That's oh. how you get them to do their homework. They're never going to want to do their homework now. <laughs> no, you got to so. teach them how to lose, you know? you got to teach them. Right. And not everybody gets right. participation uh, trophies yeah. around here. I got gotcha. you. Uh, quick football question. Before yeah. I do, I just wanted to say thank you. A post of yours inspired me a couple weeks ago to run out and get one of those projectors to the backyard. Oh. Holy moly. Good. It is awesome. Like, yeah. I'm projecting the football game on the side of the house. The whole block is watching. I'm blowing <laughs> it up. It looks like a movie screen in my backyard. Well, you better so, start uh, charging admission to that. Yeah, there you go. So, anyway, I just wanted a quick question about the uh, upcoming uh, – well, not upcoming, but we're about halfway through the season now. Mm-hmm. And we're going to head into this new NFL playoff uh, format that mm-hmm. we have this year. And, look, you know, as far as I'm concerned, the NFL always had it right. I've always felt that, you know, basketball and hockey had way too many teams in the playoffs. I always felt like baseball never had enough. I felt like football had it just yeah, right. With you. And, and now that they've added a few more teams, there's a few more games now, but I think that's going to make all the difference in the world because I think what it's going to do is it's going to give the number one seeds in both divisions like a, a clear-cut, straight path right to the Super Bowl because, you know what, even a two seeds now have to play that extra game. There's going to be a couple of teams playing, one at least one team playing on a short week mm-hmm. with that Monday night game. I, I I think this is a very dangerous and and pretty brave move. I mean, I know the money is for, all for money, mm-hmm. but I think they had such a good thing going, and yeah. I think they're tinkering with this this year. And I'm I'm really concerned what it's going to do to the product on the field come playoff football uh, in in January. Yeah, and, and Rob, that's an excellent point there, and I, and I I love that point because I'm I'm with you. I agree with you on that. I, you know, listen, not everybody, we were just talking about not everybody gets a participation trophy. Not everybody should make the playoffs either, and they've expanded it. And not to mention they've expanded it onto Monday night. I mean, my dad and I were talking last night. It was like the seventh inning in the Braves game, and it was like 11 o'clock. I mean, on a, on a Saturday. Like, start the game at 4. What about these kids at school? We were just talking about it. What about the teachers at school? What if you have to go to work regardless? I mean, Monday night football – me, as an adult, I can never stay up and watch the whole thing, but I'm going to have to tomorrow night. I'm going to be dragging the rest of the week because the Giants are on, obviously. But I agree. It upends the entire thing. I hope it works. I do. But uh, that short week and all that, it's just – it's just um, you're right. It's a, it's, at a, it's a disadvantage for, for some teams uh, based on where – I know. And then, oh, okay, it depends on where you're seated. I know. I get it and all that. If it's not, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. How's that sound? If it ain't broke, don't fix it. And Carter has gotten the Jets to, uh, I think, it, within the five-yard line here on that run. Keep an eye on it for you. Let's go to Roselle Park and Stan. You're up on the fan. Hello. Hello. How you doing? I'm good. How are you, Stan? I just heard that story about you and the games, and I, I loved it. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know how many men will, will you get will say this, but. My uh, favorite basketball is college and women's basketball. Mm-hmm. Uh, during the year, I'm not into the pros. Sometimes I don't like the defense play. But anyway. Who's your team? Reminds, South Carolina? Uh, so, no, my daughter played at the University of Virginia in ACC. Okay. Gotcha. And so when she was in high school, uh, she, uh, her godfather, who was a phenomenal coach, would take her and say, if you want to be tough, play with the men. I always so did that. Put, 
he would take her to Seton Hall and play college men. And they knew about her from the papers, and they would just be latched on her, and she would like to just really good shooter. So yeah. that reminded me of a long time ago, 20 years ago. It was a great story. I really like hearing it. <laughs> Thanks, Dan. I appreciate that. All right. Okay. All right. All right. Bye. Um, you know, yeah, okay. I always maybe you're maybe a new fan of the show, maybe you're a new listener of the show. Uh, I always played against the boys. Uh, baseball, I played up until I had to switch to softball as a freshman in high school. Had to. It made me a better player, honestly. And you know, I, I, I said before, I, I struck up a, a friendship with Misha Tate, and you know where she got her start? Wrestling with the boys. Like her and her friend signed up for wrestling. I think it in high school, maybe middle school, but definitely by high school, they were wrestling with the boys. So. I don't know. I just I love competition. I, I you know no competition scares me. I mean you saw I kicked field, Craig Carton called me out by name to kick a field goal. Okay, I went out there. For, it took me maybe forty minutes to get it down in the snow in the ice. Kicked a twenty yard field goal in in adverse conditions. It might I add. Uh, you know uh, I, I'm not afraid to a challenge of a challenge. We'll just put it that way. So. I'm not going to let the kids win. Maybe it's a good point. Maybe they'll do their homework if I let them win. But I'm never in the business of letting anybody win anything ever. Like, you want to run down this hallway? I'm going to beat you. You want to have a shoe-tying competition? I'm going to beat you. In everything. <laughs> Kevin's laughing at me. Whatever it is, I- I'm going to do my best, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to beat you. So that was, uh, that was my story from Friday. <laughs> I'm getting a, a couple tweets here at Coach MCCAR. T-A-N. Lou from Astoria is now tweeting me. He says, Coach, the catcher for the Braves, Travis D, makes our cat, our catcher Sanchez look like Johnny Bench. What are we watching? Let's go Giants. Hope you're right. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I can't disagree with that. But that's a low bar to compare against Sanchez. That, that's, that's, that's a low bar. <laughs> um, going through some tweets here. Kevin Gates says, this is my emoji for tomorrow's Giant game. It's like the, the cover the mouth face. He said, Giants are going to be like, you the mighty Chiefs? Huh. That's a good one, too. We'll see. Now, this is all fun and games, right? And then everybody's going to kill you. You know, if you go for the upset pick, everybody kills you on the next day. Like, oh, you know, you were wrong. <laughs> okay, but I had a nice rationale to prove it, to try to prove it. I got a couple likes on that too. So if you want to tweet me at Coach MCCARTAN, you want to get on the phones, 877-337-6666. Maybe you're a Jet fan uh, on your way home from the stadium. I don't know why you would be on the way home from the stadium because this is a great game. But maybe. Who knows? 877-337-6666 is the number for that. And you know what else? I did want to mention this too because, well, as I look up, it's 331, 31st of October. Happy Halloween. Maybe you've been out, you know, trick-or-treating or at parties or whatever. I didn't get dressed up this year, but last year I was a, a rich Met fan, and I dressed in the black, you know, the black top, and I had a black card. And I was Steve, I, I, I wrote in Sharpie, Steve Cohen on it. That's what I was last year. But what are some of the, the good sports, the good ones? Not just like, oh, I'm a Jet player. Like, what are some good sports costumes that you guys have seen this weekend? Like, and I've been told I have to watch the show, Ted Lasso. I've been told. I'm just trying to find the time to do it. 
Um, I know a lot of people were Ted Lasso based on my, my personal social media channels and, and feeds and stuff. So, yes. Okay. But but what other things have you seen? And I know, what's his name? Um, Hopkins. He always goes uh, above and beyond. Let me see if you put something up. Um, DeAndre Hopkins always goes crazy with Halloween posts. And he was like an avatar one year. He looked awesome. I always like to look and see what he is, but I didn't get to look. Uh, I didn't have a chance to look yet. But where were you 20 years ago tonight? October 31st, 2021. Would you believe it if I told you that 20 years ago today or tonight, technically tomorrow, Derek Jeter became Mr. November. Yeah. In the bottom of the 10th inning, if you remember, game four of the 2001 World Series, Derek Jeter tied the series with one swing of his bat. It was in the wee hours of the morning on November 1st where he launched that walk-off home run to the first row in the short porch at Yankee Stadium. And after the game early that morning, Paul O'Neill said, is a quote, Derek found a way because Derek always finds a way. And Jeter himself said, we have confidence every time someone steps to the plate that they're going to do something big. Everyone had their moments on this team. Everyone has had their moments on this team. That's a quote from Derek Jeter from that night. And I know that the Yankees did not go on to win the World Series that year, but just a few weeks after those terrorist attacks on September 11th here in New York, it, it was just, it was a huge uplifting moment for the city. So 20, how old do you feel, right? How how old does everybody feel? 20 years ago, 20 years ago, tonight, Derek Jeter became Mr. November. And the legend continued on all the way up to the Hall of Fame. So what do you think? How will the Yankees Get back to the World Series. What roster moves are you changing? What roster moves are you making? I'll tell you mine. Coming right up on the set. Yeah, welcome back to Danielle in the daytime here on the fan in New York City. Well, on the bright side, see what I did there? On the bright side, the Jets hung in with the Cincinnati Bengals. And I know it's not over yet, but they're now down by 10, 30 to 20, with 7 minutes and 29 seconds remaining in the fourth quarter. Yeah, that was just a, uh, that might have been a dagger. The, the Tyler Boyd pass from Joe Burrow for 10 yards might have been the dagger. Extra point was good. Now it is 31 to 20. But on the bright side. The New York Jets, uh, they hung in there. And no one thought that the Jets can hang into this game. Nobody. Nobody. And I'm going back to my prediction. Let's see what I said. I think I said uh, I had, let's see it. Oh, look at that. Bengals 31, Jets 10 is what I had. So the Jets, Bengals, you know, nailed my expectation, whereas the Jets kind of exceeded the expectation there. So, you know, good for them. It's a it's a game to build upon, sure. Defense played really good, actually. But hey, it's not over. But, hey, I almost nailed the score, almost. But the Jets far exceeded 
um, what I had in mind. So right before the break, uh, we talked about Derek Jeter becoming Mr. October on tonight, theoretically. 20 years ago, tonight into tomorrow morning, November 1st, October 31st into November 1st. And what are some roster moves, Yankee fans, that you would like to see made for this Yankee team to get back to the World Series? I appeal to you, 877-337-6666 on this football Sunday. Um, Listen, I'm not giving any names just yet, but I think it's obvious where the Yankees need to upgrade. Uh, Probably in this order. Shortstop, in my opinion. Shortstop, starting pitching. Catcher, and who's going to be the first baseman? I guess would be my top four. Uh, you got Hicks coming back, so I don't think uh, center field is, is much of a question mark anymore, except about his his injury proneness. Everybody will wait and see. But I think the Yankees. I see. I, I but I saw the number on, on Kyle Se- Corey Seager. I saw the number on him, over $300 million. I, I don't know if I'm going there, over $300 million for, for Seager. Because I think uh, I think Anthony Rizzo is a good fit, too. Luke Voigt, I think, has burned too many bridges there. Uh, he's too injury-prone. I, I, I think his time with, with the Yankees has, has drawn to a close. I like Anthony Rizzo back in pinstripes. I'd like to see it, I should say. As far as shortstop. You know, Anthony Volpe is not due in the major league. 